are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. How's it going, all you TSA agents? Yes, TSA agents are the lowest of the low. And uh, I'm going to make this intro short and sweet because I have to go deal with the TSA and customs and fly back from Australia. So I'm going to tell you about a couple of business things, some stuff you want to know, and then we'll get on with the episode. The Classic Crime is going on tour next week. The support bands are Megosh and Hearts Like Lions. Their Salt Lake City show is already sold out, and a few of us are pretty close. So you go to aftontickets.tv forward slash TCC to get tickets for that. All right, so I got to go get on a plane, and I just want you guys all to remember, if you travel internationally, when you get to customs, there's a big difference in I'm here because I'm in a rock band, and I'm here because I'm in a Christian rock band. Three. Yeah. Two. A one. Joey dropped that bass. Oh, that's that's low. Somebody got low. It's the bad Christian podcast. It's a bad Christian podcast. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Okay, welcome to the bad Christian podcast, everybody. Matt, Toby, and Joey once again uh, down under. We're recording this in our hotel room on the day as Joey is getting ready to fly out, and then Toby and I subsequently. So as you're hearing this, I won't be posting it late on a Sunday night. Instead, I'll be arriving home on an airplane uh, during this. While this goes up, I will in fact be at thirty thousand feet over the Atlantic, over the Pacific Ocean. Yep. Is where but I'll be. because of that dream Joey had, you'll actually be thirty thousand feet under the Pacific Ocean. Right. Well, I don't think it'll be 30,000 feet under because it's not that deep. How do you know? You've been there? The deepest, no, no, no. Have you been there? The deepest trench in the ocean is in the South Pacific, and it is under 30,000 feet. It's about 28,000, 29,000 feet. I thought the deepest trench was in between Joey's fourth and fifth roll on his neck. <laughs> his chin. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, man. You see what I mean? Like... I guess that that joke didn't really make sense. That's Sorry. low. Was that just like a low hanging fruit, low brow? Kind yeah, of I'm thing. just in Australia down under. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I don't know. I can't even make good jokes. Well, it's, a, it's at least uh, <laughs> it's at least a lot easier being just in the room with the three of us. Than I'm it laying is in like front Joey right crowd. now. I'm leaning up against <laughs> the wall, lounging. barely making. I'm lounging. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Speaking of leaning, it is hilarious how all the Emory guys. Joey's been out with Emory now for. Almost two weeks, and they notice his lounging as so much. It's hilarious watching Andy and Dave, Andy and Dave watch both, you. I yeah. mean, it is so funny. Like, you just lounging, chilling. I mean, they can't believe it. Like, that is a true thing. You lounge. Like, you, like, like yesterday, I was, I was kind of, uh, you came over to our room. I was kind of leaning back on my bed, and then I got up and went and sat in a chair, and you immediately got up and laid on my bed. Well, I don't you deny have, that. Why are you? I mean, talk, you, you're talking about it like I'm going to try to push back. I, I don't deny. I that. mean, but I mean, why do you always have to lounge? Is it a need? Uh, no, it's not a need. <laughs> Is it? I, I'm most comfortable how I'm sitting right now. It's just a slouch. Yeah, it's a slouch. You just have to slouch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have to. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Just like you getting to the bottom of every chair and and really get low and the, and, the, and every bag of chips, every bag of chips, <laughs> you get to the bottom. <laughs> every beverage, every Coke. What's the most Cokes you've drank in a row, Joey? I I don't really drink Cokes. Thank What's you very the, much. I, that wasn't the question. I don't know. 
Just, All right, because it's too high of a number to be able to be counted. Okay. Don't you think it's easier? What? How do you feel about sitting back in a room now, just the three of us, versus being up? You know, get, having to get juiced up and address the crowd like on on the live episodes. I think there's something to be said for the live crowd. I think it makes us, you know, a little bit more on excited too and on point. Like being in this room with just you three guys, with you two guys, three if you count the extra Joey. Um, it's just a little bit more laid back and chill. Like it's hard to get more pumped up right now. You know what I mean? Like I'm in a hotel room just kind of relaxing. So this feels way less pumped up than when we recorded the podcast. Yeah. So we recorded last podcast. night at the Spotted Cow in Toowoomba, Australia. Oh, that so cool. that episode will be out on thir- this Thursday. But okay. uh, tell them about that show. Did you enjoy that last night? And I loved it. I thought it was so cool. It was really neat just to – I mean, we're at Easter Fest, which is a Christian festival, and they actually told people, hey, the Bad Christian Dudes will be at a bar. Go check it out. And I thought that was – I think that's the first time that's ever happened in the history of any Christian festival or Christian event almost. I mean, I know like some people are more lax on their uh, strictness of drinking alcohol or, or what that looks like. You know, some divisions of church are that way. But, I mean, for the most part, it, I don't think we've ever been to a Christian festival where any type of tolerance for alcohol nah. was even come close to being allowed. <laughs> and uh, for them to be able to say, hey, listen, we're just – Gonna have, let you guys have a conversation, and we'll leave it up to the Holy Spirit. Is awesome. I mean, we weren't. Our goal was not to. Oh yeah, leave the festival and come drink. That wasn't the goal of it. The goal is, hey, come hang out. If you want to drink, go ahead. If you don't, don't. I mean, let's just. But let's have a real conversation. So that part, man, was just really refreshing for sure. Yeah, and uh, I, I like talking in front of people because there's a pressure to it. Like it's like you have to. It's totally different dynamic, but you have to be up. You have to feel like it, you know you have to connect with people. It matters. It's like the stakes are high. Like right. here, here we could stop or start over or whatever. But in out there, it's like it's real. So I, I really get a kick out of that because I think the fundamental thing that I like to do the most, the reason I like podcasting, is to just to do communication. I find that the yeah. most frustrated I am is when I want somebody to understand and I can't make them understand. I don't understand what you're saying. Uh, pissing me off. <laughs> no, it, it really is frustrating. When I get when people criticize me the most, they're saying, "Matt, you got to stop talking. You're just going on and on, or whatever." And I'm thinking, "But you don't understand yet. That's why I have to keep talking." But sometimes I think you misinterpret. Some, like I have been in situations with you where I disagree with you, and you take it. I think you're uh, yes, so prideful in thinking you're right. Right. You're like the only way he can disagree is that's if he right. doesn't understand. That's exactly the way I feel, <laughs> and that's just not right. I think that you. Clearly, you don't understand what I'm saying, or else you would agree. So the fact that you don't agree shows me that you do, must not understand. Don't so you I need to explain it again. Don't you think I need a little to, arrogant. I, I can't help it. That's what I'm saying. I get frust, that frust, That's one of the most frustrating things to me in the whole world. And so that's why I like podcasting or a live audience. It's almost like a challenge. Like it's a skill. Like I want to. Be able to say something, connect. It matters. They understand. I, they, I don't, you're, you know. you're one of the biggest advocates, though, of telling people, "Hey, if if you've never changed your mind on anything, even even major, then uh-huh. you're not doing enough thinking and evaluating." Right. So why would you, of all people, be in a situation where someone doesn't uh, under un, someone doesn't agree, and you assume they don't understand? No, I, I mean I'm okay with some. Sometimes people agree. Or disagree, and then I and then I understand that we disagree. But I feel like a lot of times it's because they don't understand or aren't seeing it well enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, there's definitely people that are, are intelligent or you know have better points than me. In which case, I can clearly understand under thing. But I feel like we have to get on the same page before we can disagree. Yeah. So I can't usually let things go until then. But live crowd really awesome. I so. thought it was cool because I I could tell sometimes they 
couldn't even understand what we were saying, and it, not because it, it didn't make wise. sense. Yeah, it was just accent. <laughs> like I saw a couple of faces, like what? Uh, and I thought that was really interesting because I mean we're speaking English just like them, but I mean it just it like the our enunciation, the way we say things, they don't totally understand anyway. So there is a little bit of a language barrier, even with people that speak the exact same language yeah. as us. Oh, I know. Can you imagine like when you had to tra- if you had to like the people that listen to us in other countries? I'm sure it just. The cultures are so different in different languages and people, there's people, a lot of people listen to this podcast that English is their second language. So how in yeah. the world could they be expected to pick up on the nuances of a joke or something like that? We must just, it must just be that that terrible. That is the scariest thing for me when I think about the Bible and we're yeah. trying to pick up, you know, what they were actually trying to say and what their culture, I mean, we have the words, but it means, you know, there's tons of times where in every language, what you're saying is sarcastic but yeah. you're saying something, you know, whatever. Oh, man, look at that blue sky. But actually, there's a tornado headed this way, and you just made a joke because it's really scary or whatever. You Think know. of the subtlety. Like, in, I, I watched Dumb and Dumber one time when I was in Costa Rica. And it was, you know, overdubbed in Spanish. And so that movie is so good because it's the, it's the way that Lloyd Christmas, the way he says stuff is even so important. Yeah. And I was watching it in Spanish, and I know only a little bit of Spanish, but enough to even understand the lines he was saying. Because I knew I knew what the lines were. Then I heard him in Spanish. I was just thinking, and the voice was different. The articulation, the delivery was different, and yeah. the words were still there from the script. Right. And I was thinking, this it isn't funny. Yeah. Like it's if you just watch this scene, he made that face on the screen and moved his mouth, and you heard a Spanish guy say blah 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 whatever it is. Then it wasn't funny. It didn't translate at all. And that's. The same. That's a, a culture right next door in the in the same time period with the closest possible language. <laughs> so if that didn't translate, well, how could you possibly think of a time two thousand more, more or more years ago with a language that has almost no relation to ours? How could you? Yeah. Well, how could you possibly? The cultural and the, the language and the time differences are totally. It's unreal. Yeah, and I can. I mean, I can give you three examples of things now that I can say, and you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. But two thousand years ago or two thousand years from now may not be the case. For example, once upon a time in a land far, far away, you guys knew automatically, oh, that's fiction. Mm-hmm. I mean, and what Toby right. is saying, we read the Bible, and what if there's things like that to where people back in that culture, they know exactly, oh, that's, well, he's talking about blah, blah, blah. Like, what if there's something in Job yeah. that's worded that in a way where it. those people back then were just like, oh, this is just a story. Uh, like, you're saying, so if I started, if I went to uh, my wife and said, once upon a time, there was, and I just open with that phrase, she would, it would indicate to her, Fiction is coming. Yeah, that's well, this is a story yeah. Matt's going to tell me. Here's another one. Uh, I could care less. Well, you mean I could not possibly care less. But if I say, dude, I could care less where we go, you know uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's irritating, by the way. But everybody knows what I'm talking about. If yeah. I say I could care less where we eat, they, they know that Joey means it doesn't matter. But yeah. I should say I, I, I couldn't Could possibly, not care less right? is the appropriate And then another one that. is uh, how about blah, blah, blah. What is that supposed to mean? How about? Yeah. How about? I mean, and someone studying the English language, that makes no sense at all. But if Toby says, how about, I, I know where he's headed. So you, you think know? there's just, clues in Job that indicate that it's a No, no, I was just using that as an example. There could be, but we just don't know. But that, that, that's the thing that scares me. Like, what if the entire Bible is true and awesome, but God just has a great sense of humor, and then we just let all the stiff non-funny people interpret it for us. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like, what if God was like, come on, man, and he tells stories, and it's like, God's just awesome, funny, like the coolest guy at the bar, hanging out, and then we just let 65-year-old white man tell us, yeah, this is what he was saying, and it was really serious, and we <laughs> totally missed all the extra great things 
about God, and we and just because they go, no, we can prove it. We, you know, this is what we we know so much. Well, it's kind of like those. It's a little scary. It's the, like those daggone pictures taken in the eighteen hundreds of a dude and his wife, and they're both looking with these serious faces. You know, some of those dudes are trippy. Like right when the picture was taken, immediately they start tripping around and everything. Yeah. But you're looking at it. Why are people so serious back then? Totally. But yeah, I mean, the Bible. Uh, get a little. Uh, instructor here but the bible i mean it's crazy we're talking thousands of years and from hundreds and and i'm probably uh underestimating hundreds of cultures over the course of thousands of years man i mean that's that's i just think we should approach the bible with a little more respect and when i say respect with a little more uh, maybe i'm wrong with how i'm interpreting something by respect you mean it's not true uh, no, I don't mean that. You know that's I know. not the case. But I do think these sorts of conversations make people nervous because I, I'm sure some people are hearing us and they're thinking, "Man, those three guys at some point they're gonna they're gonna be bazond. Well, yeah, my, they're, my, gonna be, yeah. they're gonna be like Dave Bazan. They're not gonna think that the Bible's true. What will it mean for this? Like, uh, how good will, of an episode will it be the day that I finally tell you guys I don't believe anymore? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I don't. I just don't think that can happen. No, I, I don't guess either. I guess I really don't think. But I agree with wait, you, Joey. Wait, hang on. You don't think that could happen? I, that's interesting to me because he knows you. No, I know. I'm just saying. It does trouble me sometimes that the things that I hear us say are the, similar to things that I hear people like Dave Bazan say or used to had said on his way to. Yep. Or you know, I told you earlier today that I think sometimes you sound like Rob Bell, right. which I'm not saying he's the worst person or even bad. I kind of like some of the stuff right. he says, but um, you sound like Oprah sometimes. Yes, yeah, so a lot of times I get accused of sounding like Oprah. So <laughs> you know what? But what is that like? Why? What confidence do you have that we're just not on a slower decay? Away from what we believe. Oh, well, I, it, here's what I really believe. I believe that. What's th- really crazy is I'm very, very interested in what you like. Sometimes we're just carrying a conversation. Like I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat, not literally. I'm You're definitely that. not <laughs> literally on the edge of your seat. <laughs> but your I seat really well deeply back in the seat. Um, I, the reason why I think that you guys and myself uh, are not going to leave Christianity is because we value so highly the need for a savior so that i do not think that that can ever escape what we're saying and not saying that rob bell doesn't believe that i'm not talking about i'm all i'm talking about is us three right here like i think that um like i mean you know how much i love dave design and just that interview is probably my favorite interview we've ever done on on the podcast i thought he was just really honest and he was really engaging and all that stuff i think on a certain level he just went no nah, i can handle this i don't need that and i i can't i don't think y'all can either like no matter what even at the darkest times, where I'm like, is, is everything I believe bullshit? Like, but I mean, why does really? that mean Jesus? Every time you now, say everybody needs a savior, someone could say, yeah, I agree with that. I just don't think it's Jesus. Who else I, is it? I, I agree. Yeah, what else would it be? Who, who, I mean, I, I mean, agree what, with you. No, I, mean, what, what, I mean, there's what, no other religious what, yeah. system that offers anything that. The, I mean, here's the thing no matter what, our religious system, our faith book, our whatever Jesus following it it is unique in the sense that it is the only thing that resonates with me as far as yeah because I know people really are shitty I know that there's nothing else really but what if there's no savior that's what I'm saying there may not be for all I know but but I know I need one I know everybody needs one I know everything outside my my point would be uh, us where we lie is either there's nothing yeah or you got to have something (laughs) I mean you you, there there is not uh, human race is going to fix it and get better. Right. That, that's been proven over and over and over and over. with every technology. We only do worse things. Yeah, there's right. zero you know chance I mean? my logic will eventually land at. Yeah, but if we do, we could probably do better, or the yeah. human race is getting better, or something that. Well, like is the not, on, I'm not I, on that. You could probably correct me with my pronunciation, uh, pronunciation, but like the ontological argument for God 
has to do with basically if we can come up with the concept of God, there has to be a God. The God ontological that, argument says, if I, be, I believe, is existing is better than not existing. So if there could be a God or not be a God, if there could be a God, then he would have to exist because that's better than not existing. I believe that's... Yeah, but there, there's... Uh, I mean, I, I've I've heard it also where if we can... The very concept that there is a God means that there has to be a God. In other words, we we can't manufacture the concept of God unless there was God. Hmm. So maybe that's another facet. I don't know, but that I would necessarily agree with that. Somebody said the other day that... Uh, I heard somewhere that it's weird we have the concept of God, like the, of deity for a long time. Like when your kids are born, they actually at some point think you're all-knowing and all-powerful. That's their assumption, in yeah. fact, at when they're a two and one. Their assumption is you control everything and you know everything. They would have no reason to believe otherwise. Yeah. So you're already comfortable with the notion of a deity, like just fundamentally. Hmm. Don't you but, think? But, but you what think Joey's saying is that's that? because we just... Well, we, you're saying that's... Of That's God. part of it, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I just think be, I think if we you wouldn't have, have that if there was no God, if we have the capacity to even argue about whether or not there is a God, I think someone could argue. Well, then there's a God. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I don't think that's like a foolproof argument to where there's no holes in that. But think about it: if we have the capacity in our mind, like an ant, little ants and little bugs, they're not True. debating with each other whether or not there's a God. True. I mean, their minds don't even go there. So do you think sometimes we get so frustrated about or, or feel like we're the negative side of or just like looking at Christianity and church and people and even the Bible? What, what, what is it all supposed to mean that you can get so fed up with it? That Do you think it could all boil down to like if you strip everything away, it's just I, I can't even say about anything, but I do believe I need a Savior and I do believe Jesus lived, died, and was resurrected. Like if I get really bent out of shape about everything, and I think everything I must not know anything. Everything's fake. That's the only thing that I think I would have to hang on to to remain in the club. Yeah, so I agree. Do you think? Yeah, I agree. Like, what if I just said, "I promise you." Like, you could see me there maybe in two years or having a rough time, right? Like, I, I just I don't know anything. Like, I'm definitely choosing this or, you know, after my third wife, this. And you'd be like, but do you believe that Jesus died and actually yeah. resurrected after that? I, I don't see any chance of me not believing that, that that happened. Yeah, I just can't get away from that. I don't, I just know if anything in the world has proven God to me is me. Like in my actions, uh, uh, like how how I want things, uh, how I desire things that are, are self-serving or selfish or self-motivated is the reason why I would even do something. All, all this stuff is like, it, it is so much a part of me that I go, yeah, I can't do anything. And so, man, if there's a God, yeah, I need that. I need that guy to intervene, change me, shape me, show me what I'm supposed to be. Because I, whenever I see the good in humanity or the the fellowship or the kindness and all that stuff, it always just seems bigger. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't just seem like just two people hanging out. Like when you see people get married, you're not just thinking, "Oh, well, they like each other and that that's it." You think of something bigger. We we have to come up we we come up with terms to describe stuff, not just, "Okay, now they are this together for this this and this." Like we have terms that make things way bigger. We explain things in bigger terms because of our relationships, our friendships, our marriages, our, our relationships with each other are all so much bigger than just two people talking and they mean so much more to us. So I think always it, it comes back to Jesus and that 
you got to have God in your life in a sense of you won't I mean, without God. I just think it, you, it, it gets emptier and emptier and emptier, even to the point of, I think people that don't believe in God still have God. I think God has that much influence that they get to benefit from his goodness and grace as well without, and they don't even have to acknowledge it or believe in it or anything. I think God is still that good that everybody gets to benefit from it to the point where you can even say, yeah, th- this is just me. It's not even God, yeah. but, I, but I don't think that to be the case. Um, one other thing I was going to say too is, I got been, a question for you too, by the way. Okay. You, can you save it till after I do this? Uh, can you yeah. save it till after the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> can you save it till next week? Uh, I want to hear your question, but um, real quickly, one of the things we've been doing is some forums, and they've been really cool. And we actually did a forum today about pornography. And guess what got brought up? Triple X Church and X3 Watch. Watch yep, it was up. really good. And we didn't even have to do it. We Our good friend Chad up, yeah. Johnson. Yeah. Come and live brought it up. And I was like, oh, man, that's awesome. So I wanted to take a moment and just say to our sponsors, X3 Watch, that we appreciate it so much. You guys are even making an impact here in Australia. I mean, it is awesome that somebody that sponsors our podcast has, has honestly been supporting us from the beginning. Uh, folks like Craig Gross, uh, I just... Um, we really appreciate it, and they make this podcast happen. And so at the very least, even if you just want to keep looking at porn right now, just go click on a link and, and help this podcast. If you like this podcast going, click on a link and help this podcast to keep going by supporting us and supporting uh, X3 Watch. But I guarantee you, if you get it, you'll start changing your life a little bit. It, it changes your viewing habits on the internet. On the internet, it changes the way uh, you are alone. It helps you to be more accountable, not only uh, with friends for you, but with you and your friends. So this is a great opportunity right now to change your life. Very simply, X3 Watch, it will help you to stop doing things that you don't want to do, like looking at pornography and segregating yourself from your friends by this secret life or secret habit that you have. How crazy was it that pastor on the panel with us said that there is a like secular movements of people trying to get off porn. He said one of the reasons why is because 20-year-olds are experiencing erectile dysfunction because mm-hmm. they pretty much... How did he... How do you, they pretty he, much zap he just said all in the sex. general way you burn out your circuits yeah. is what he is said. that true? I wondered in that moment. Well, Can you, you don't burn out your you circuits. You don't have circuits, you know. There's not. Yeah, that was well, that's what I know. I know. But, but what does that actually mean? I did wonder that. Like, I mean, is he saying you masturbate too much? Well, he's th- saying th- you're getting so much stimulation that, that sexual stimulation. Yeah, that and it over and you know the chemicals and the receptors. So it's not circuits. That's just an analogy to right. use. But right. your or pathways are so blown up that you it doesn't. You can't a regular stimulus. What doesn't give so you? you need, so he's saying you need something worse or more harder. Yeah, yeah to, like porn is so. Yeah, you're so aroused by such graphic, yeah. crazy, vulgar sex stuff. Then when you're in a committed relationship right. where a girl's not as comfortable with that stuff, maybe you can't get up. That makes I mean, sense. Just like uh, you know, they do cycles with steroids or something. It works yep. for a while. Or medicines, they do cycles with them. Maybe that's the same thing with porn. You look at it enough, you then you just need more or worse or more graphic, whatever it might be. But anyway, so where do they go? X3watch.com forward slash bad Christian. Check it out today. Bam. All right. What was your question you want to ask? So, Matt, I, I feel... Okay, now here comes our guest. I'm really excited <laughs> about it. No, go ahead, Joey. So, Matt, I think has very... I, I know exactly where he's coming from, and I, I've pushed back on this a little bit, but I understand where he's saying as far as a lot of the things I'm saying sounds uh, Rob Bellish, but... Rob Bellish, thing, is that a term now? Rob Bellish. <laughs> Man, you just went Bellish on that. So... Toby, one thing you've been saying, in my opinion, even tips the scales in that direction. And I, I want, and I think you may have said it on the podcast before, but I, I, I want to give you a chance to explain further. And I want to hear you explain further because to me, it's like, 
if someone doesn't know you, they can be like, whoa, what in the hell did Toby just say? And that is, <laughs> you have definitely said regretfully in a, oh, this bothers me way, if I'm wrong about everything I believe, then I spent my whole life trying to get people to serve a God that's not true, trying to get them to have a sexuality that doesn't matter, and trying to force my... I, I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth. You didn't right. say these exact things. Yeah, I know what you mean. What, what do you mean when you say that? Because that sounds like a, man, there's a very good chance... If, if you're losing sleep over that thought, then, then you're thinking there's a very good chance that I, I'm wrong with Jesus. And I know that's not what you mean because I'm your friend, but that's what it sounds like. No, no, no. What, my point is just, just like people always say, well, man, you know, I'd rather believe in God and have the opportunity to go to, you know, if you're wrong, you go to hell. If I'm wrong, all that matters is I just disappear into eternity. It just goes black and that's it. But I, my point with, with that was is on, if you take that to the opposite side, though, if you can say, hey, I'm a Christian, so that means if I'm right, then I get to go to heaven. And if you're if you don't believe in God, you're wrong. Then you know you, you got it way worse than me. You go to hell. Well, what at the same time? What if Christians are trying to uh, enforce just what they believe, and they're what if they end up being wrong? That means that you were trying spending your time keeping people of the same sex from getting married or you're spending your time uh, stopping people from enjoying freedoms or liberties that didn't matter anyway. You know what I mean? Like why, why do you, 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 people should just get to live their life and you're trying to force yourself on them. So my point is uh, I don't want to spend my life telling people what not to do. That is a waste of my life. I don't even think that's what Jesus did. I mean, it just it, it felt like Jesus was always telling people what to do. Like you know, wake up, do, do more, do more, do more. And so I just think for us, if we just get caught up on, um, yeah, man, well I'm a Christian, so I got to do this, this, and this to spread the gospel, and this is what I got to get people to do, so they'll stop sinning. Then we're in a bad shape, and our, our faith becomes about us and our works and and the things that we are strong enough not to do, as opposed to just loving people and figuring it out. I, I mean, a lot of things you say, I, I, I agree with. You know what I mean? Like it, it is talking about homosexuality, you, just like our uh, Pastor Greg said uh, from our church, it's something that you have to wrestle with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it, it's not just cut and dry, oh, uh, all homosexuality, no matter what, is, is sin, and it's not cut and dry that it's not, not sin. You know what I mean? Like they, you have to really do that, and, and where I'm at, I feel like sometimes can change or blah, but I always land on, if Jesus says some form of sexuality is wrong, it probably is. I mean, if Jesus says that what I'm doing right now, uh, like talking about X3 Watch, whatever, if whatever sin or whatever thing that I'm going through, would I give it up for God? No matter what I felt about it, would I give it up for God? Whether I think it's right, wrong, or whatever, would I give some something up for God? And that's how I judge where, where we're supposed Which to be. Which brings up a really interesting point is a lot of uh, pro-gay... Uh, affirming churches, I guess, is the definition would say, yeah. yeah, exactly. Jesus doesn't say anything about homosexuality. Nothing. You know, right. it's Paul's letters. Why couldn't, you know, Paul be wrong and all that stuff? So basically, you're you're not saying, because it seems like the more you are concerned with that thought, that would also mean the more you are doubting what you believe in, but you're not you're not saying that at all. No, I'm not. I don't think so. All right, let's bring on our guest. This week we have silver ring thing on 
Uh, and it's going to be good. It's, it, I, it could get a little uncomfortable. We're going to be talking about sexual things yeah. with those those teenagers, those yeah. damn teens and 20-year-olds yeah. so are trying to have thing? sex Joe, outside you, of marriage. you went to a silver ring thing. You know what it is. Well, first, I want to give Toby props for coming up with uh, a, a better phrase. When we were in college, he used to tell the girls, no ring, no ding. Right. And so uh, silver ring thing probably stole that from him. Yep. But basically, silver ring thing no is... No ring, no ding. That's right, baby. So um, they are a they're a ministry that sets out to help with uh, youth ministries from a Christian perspective, helping them to be abstinent. And the silver ring thing is basically a promise ring. So a bunch of kids come together, a bunch of lights, a bunch of fireworks, a bunch of cool, hip teachers and music and stuff. And, and they're then they sent just tell away. them, they give them lights and fireworks and say, don't have sex. Exactly. And then send keep, everybody home. Yep. Keep your pants on. Okay. Yeah, keep your pants Basically, on. Basically, I think their motto is to be absent of the vagina means to be present with the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll Let's be right back from with Jason from Silver Ring Thing. Hey, guys. This is Dan Koch, singer and guitar player for the BC music band Pacific Gold. And I want to let you know, our new album, Sing My Welcome Home, is now out on BC Music. It's an album of 11 tracks of rewritten hymns. We take lyrics from old hymns and write all new melodies and music and everything. But rather than spending a bunch of time talking about it, let's just play some clips from the album. The new Pacific Gold album, Sing My Welcome Home, is now out online, in stores, pacific-gold.com, iTunes, all of it. Hey, how long have you uh, how long have you been with Silver Ring Thing? And obviously, at some point, we want to explain to people what exactly that is. How long have you been working with those guys? I've been here uh, about 11 years now, believe it Sweet. or not. Yeah, yeah I... Uh, I was a, gosh, I think this is when I was a youth pastor at two different churches. I think this was back in 02 and took the kids. I, I mean, I I definitely, you know, before we even dive into what it is and stuff, just want to applaud you guys for just stepping up and trying to do something about something. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just, just you know, y'all put Don't a lot. Don't fall for it, Jason. He's just buttering you up <laughs> to, to rip you apart in a little bit. That's yeah. not true. You're the, the person that just said that is is the biggest <laughs> cynic here for sure. So, no, but, um, so Silver Ring thing, how I was explaining it to Toby, tell me how accurate this is, but basically you guys are asking kids to commit to no sex from that point on until marriage. So some of them obviously have already crossed that bridge. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, within our team, our team that travels the country, we've got virgins, non-virgins. I mean, there's a whole mix of everyone on our team. And the point is, is someone coming to a realization at some point to say that 
this is God's plan for my life. And no matter my past, I want to live it forward from here forward. So, uh, I mean, we get some pretty crazy stories of uh, sexual past and yep. history yeah. and people being willing to boldly say, you know what, I, I lived it and it wasn't all it panned out to be and I want something more. Yeah. So for our listeners' sake, I mean, this is a, you know, the kids show up huge. I mean, I don't know if there's other uh, forms of it, but they show up huge auditorium, lights, you know, awesome videos, just killer music. I mean, just a killer, killer vibe and scene and super entertaining. And so you guys have the kids' attention for sure. Um, So what about about kids that leave – silver ring thing thinking to themselves yeah this sounds good but i'm probably gonna have sex hey, anyway joey I'd, I'd love to know some more about silver ring thing first too if that's yeah we don't even know what we haven't even gotten really i mean I, a lot of people uh, i would right. say most people that's don't right. know so jason just give us a rundown like when, when we're talking about silver ring thing you said it's about abstinence or uh, from here on out and it, it's obviously a christian organization but what do you guys do you show up at a, a building and what do you do yeah, we got a team uh, of uh, teens and young adults, basically 18 to 23-year-olds, and they uh, travel the country. We do about 80 events a year and uh, come in. We bring in all of our own concert equipment, so they're doing the whole sound, lighting, video gig. And uh, it's a two-and-a-half-hour event that has dramas, music, video, testimonies, all kinds of stuff. And it's all basically talking about why you should, why is it important, how is, how is it possible to do it in today's culture, to live this kind of commitment out, how do you do it practically, spiritually, you know, and then ultimately, you know, to we do are. what to not have sex. Exactly. Right. Exactly. At all. Exactly. Outside of marriage. It says on your website that you boldly proclaim that sex outside of marriage is not in God's design. Is that the Correct. way you put it? Absolutely. Yep. And so that's the core of it is that, you know, God has a plan for your life, including your sex life and how you live. And, and he's created sex to be something designed within the context of marriage. So we're just trying to uh, have by by that peer example, you know, it's so important that teens see people that look like them, talk like them, act like them, saying, I can do it, you can do it too. Uh, but they do what we do in a real cool environment, and so it really kind of attracts them, draws them in. But ultimately, I, I think it's the testimonies and the example of those going before them that is really what gives them the hope to say, well, I guess it is possible, because you don't see it many other places. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they leave with so a silver ring, right? Uh, like a promise ring? Correct. Yeah, yeah, we've got a uh, back in 1995 when this started. There was a jeweler in Arizona that basically created a ring for us, and it just has uh, scripture First Thessalonians four verses three to four on it, and two crosses, like a cross on each side. And so, if you want to make that commitment and you want something to remind you of that and a symbol and outward expression of it, you can wear a ring. So why why this issue of all issues to, to tackle? Why why sex and and purity? Well, I think if you look at Scripture, I mean, it's pretty clear when the Apostle says that, uh, that there is no sin like sexual sin, that there's something unique to sexual sin that really uh, moves us away from uh, the heart of God and His plan and really the future. And so I think there's obviously, I, I have my own personal ties to it from not, you know, not being a virgin when I got married. My wife was, I was not. And so I know what I carried into our relationship, some some of the different guilt and some history and some comparison, some of those things that I, we kind of work through and still work through 10 years later, you know. And uh, so I don't want any teens to have that same experience. I want them to be able to come in and have something that is unique and it's kind of unstained by a lot of the past and a lot of emotional and spiritual baggage. And uh, I think if you look at the culture, it's probably the biggest fight that we have in this culture. 
you know, sexuality and what is that, how do you, how do you live that out in the context of how God designed us and what he desires for us? Um, it's certainly, well, it certainly <laughs> is a frontier, yeah. you know, that's, that's changed, that's changed a lot. I mean, obviously with internet pornography, but just the sexualization of culture in general, I mean, it's changed a ton in our lifetime as far as how the casual people see sex and relationships, at least that's for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's not even frowned upon, like, you know, when our, our parents grew up, like you want, you needed to hide that stuff where now right. parents will say, Hey, you, you guys can use the guest room before right. you go to school. <laughs> I mean, no, it's, it's not like... hidden. I mean, we talked, we're here in Pittsburgh, and the uh, the bishop of the Catholic diocese here in Pittsburgh came out in a news article just recently said, hey, 80% of the couples that we are interviewing for premarital counseling are already living together. So if they're living together, they're right. certainly having sex. And so they're not even, sure. they're not in the least bit even ashamed to say, we want to get married and we're already living together. So, yeah, the times have changed, you know, but... I think uh, God's word doesn't, and that's what we're trying to trying to do is trying to call people to something better and greater. Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I find this really interesting because on one hand, I completely agree, and we talk about pornography and stuff all the time and how it's damaging, and I really, really believe that, and I believe in God's design for marriage and marital sex and all these, uh, all this. And at the same time, what uh, a lot of what this is and what you're saying makes me feel a little uncomfortable or something because I, outwardly, at least, it feels like... Uh, I guess it feels unrealistic, and that might show the quality of my heart or where I'm at. But like you said, 80% of people are this, Christians and non, and everybody I know, it just feels like it's just not possible. I, I know it sounds silly, but it sounds like it's not possible, and it makes me feel like, man, it, you know, these guys are out there telling everybody you have to have 100% abstinence, and I just don't have any experience with that or know anybody that does. So it seems like Right. Oh, it makes me feel like, is it going to make people feel guilty if they're not able to, to do that? You, you would know, have not so made it as one of Jesus' disciples, it. Matt. I mean, no, I wait, know it. yes, I you know would it. have. <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, we, we, for many years, we try to frame the, frame the conversation as it's a pursuit. It's, perver- it's to persevere. It's not perfection. You know, again, in this mm-hmm. culture and given the fact of, you know, back when the Bible was written, you know, you got people married in mid-teen years, if not earlier. Now we got people getting married in late 20s. And so odds are yeah. a majority of people going into marriage are going to carry some kind of sexual past into that. And so what we talk about is certainly the goal would be for anyone. Hey, if you can make it to your mar- marriage bed as a virgin and you two come together like that, man, your odds of a successful marriage, of fruitful marriage, of happiness, of trust. I mean, every statistic shows that is certainly the ideal. But for a lot of people, it's not going to be that. And so we don't we don't say our message hasn't been perfection. It's been, do you agree uh-huh. this is the best plan for your life? And are you going to fight for it? Are you going to get in the battle? Yeah, yeah you know? so what, what I, and, and honestly, this is where, like, I, I really do want to ask you some questions and, and hear your answers, not to challenge what, you, what you're saying, but to actually hear what, because I'm kind of along the lines of mad of, it feels like sometimes when we say don't have sex, then, everybody will still have it, but you just hide it. You know what I mean? Same way as like my parents said, no matter what alcohol, alcohol is sin, like not, not drinking it, even like alcohol is sin. And they told me all that stuff. And then by the, when I got to high school and I saw, man, everybody that was cool was drinking and it didn't seem that bad. In fact, it seemed fun. I was like, Oh, that's not totally true. Like, like obviously, like you said, sex is great and awesome and beautiful. And then the, I guess the idea would be to convince people. But my, my question would be too, then 
So, like, if you go back in history, just like you said, everybody was getting married earlier and uh, very early on. You know what I mean? Like, it, I, I think there's some people that say, like, Mary was, like, 14 years old or something like that. Yeah, Mary, 12 to 14 Yeah, so, I mean, are we living in a, a culture now that where we're saying, yeah, because, I mean, it seems like most people tell their kids to wait. Hey, make sure you go to college. Make sure you do this, do this. But wait on the sex part. Do You know, plan your whole life, but wait on the sex part because of marriage. I mean, what, what about... Maybe we should be teaching people to get married earlier. Like I know that sounds crazy, but that but that would be a bizarre. No, you can't do that. You can't do that. But I mean, it would. Like I don't know what the statistics are, but I. I would, like, how old were you, Toby, when you got married? I was twenty eight years old. Yeah, and I was thirty years old, twenty nine years old when I got married. So, I mean, I just can't imagine being sixteen and go, like what a distant memory it would be for me to have gone to a conference when I was 16 and got a silver ring to by the time I was 29 years old. That's another half of my life. It's just so... So what are you... I it mean, feels to me like... Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying I'm pessimistic, but you know what yeah. I mean? What do you, like, yeah, what, what do you think about that, Jason? Yeah. I mean, granted, like you said, it's, 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 not, an easy, uh, it's not an easy thing to conceptualize or consider. I think when I look at, you know, where culture is, where culture was, you know, when the Bible was written, Paul... In many of the letters, when you talk about Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians, is writing to a culture that in many ways was actually worse than ours. Prostitution was cool. It was, it was just normal. For, that was actually a form of birth control. <laughs> if a husband didn't want to divvy up his inheritance anymore, you go out and have sex with a prostitute. It was worship. Pedophilia was normal. So in many ways, what's different in our culture is what we have tolerated in terms of the images and a lot of things that are going on. But Sexually speaking, in some ways, we're more conservative today than we were in those cultures 2,000 yeah. years ago. And still, he said, avoid everything outside of marriage. Now, granted, marriage was uh -huh. earlier, but that's still what it is. And I think if we look at it, you know, what there are, it's, it, it matters on how we look at what is the ramifications of, of sex as a, as a teenager. You know, so if you get a 13, 14 year old girl getting pregnant or get an STD, some of those things, or carrying some of those. Uh, emotional and spiritual kind of pains later into marriage. Why do we have such high divorce rates today? You know, why do we have a lot of the issues? Why is the teen pregnancy rate so high? You know, a lot of these things, they're all sexually, obviously sexually related issues. And so, you know, our, my stance and my belief, I, I've sat in this seat long enough to see people that have lived it out. I've seen enough that have mm -hmm. made the commitment, who've gone on to get married, who've shared their stories, sent us videos, you know, said how that commitment made a huge part in their life. And I just, I think in our culture, especially within the church, we have undervalued the, the, the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it says that the grace of God appeared to all men, which, which equips us, enables us to say no. So really, by the grace of God and the Spirit living in you, you should be able to do this. But most of us, we don't, we still fall to some of the stuff. We follow the temptation. We don't, uh -huh. you know, we don't, we don't live in that strength that we could have or should have. So yeah, my, my question for Matt and Toby is, I mean, I, I'm trying to, I don't even know if you have an underlining reason for these questions, but are you saying because it seems far fetched, don't pursue? I no, mean, no, 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 no. That, okay. That, that, that's not let what I'm me saying. go a little far. Let me go a little farther with it here. What I'm saying is this. So, um, when you picture somebody like a, what I'm worried about, what I don't know, and this is as a father, my daughter's not even two. So I'll go ahead and just picture her when she's 16, 17 years old. Do I want her to have sex? Of course not. I do not at all. I don't want her to until she's married and whatever that is. So what, what, I'm, what I don't know, what I'm curious about in a genuine way is what it, what's the mechanism by which we 
we preach or tell or suggest abstinence like this and say it's possible, but it's hard and you got to fight for it versus I know my dad really wants this, but I'm messing up right now and I've messed up a little bit and I'm thinking about messing up worse and I can't, I have to pretend to be a way that I'm not and I can't own up to it. And now she's got on top of that because statistics say she will sleep with somebody. She's going to, I mean, statistically, I'm not, I'm not that uncomfortable saying that. And so what, what is, what's going to happen then? Is she going to feel shame and guilt and condemnation? That's what, I, that's what I don't know the answer to. And then is she going to be less likely to tell the truth and, and hide it from me and, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah, Jason, what's your stance on, like, people that go through your program, uh, <clears throat> show up, get the ring, really feel committed, and then they obviously fall away and have sex later? Or do you even know statistics like that? Is that, is that like, something you guys track? Like, yeah. Years ago, we had uh, government funding for a little while, and we did track that for a period of about two years. Um, but I would say I would say it was woefully inaccurate to our to our benefit because it said that in two years' time, more than eighty five percent of people had still kept the commitment. And I don't actually I think that's way too high because it was a voluntary survey. You know, so you I think, think people way, are having sex and lying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you know a lot of it obviously depends on uh, you know where you're coming from. You know, I would say the girl that's uh, or a girl or guy who's been like extremely sexually active leading up to this moment, and then hears the message, knows it's true, senses in her heart like that's what I want to do. Her struggle is much different than the kid who's twelve years old, never had a girlfriend, you know. And so the likelihood of her falling back into that for a period, and maybe, but what does that look like? And that's why I say we we measure success as are you, you know. So if a girl comes to our event at sixteen years old, puts on a ring, makes a commitment at twenty years old, she's a sophomore in college, and you know, get, dates a guy, she thinks he's the one, they take things too far, she has sex, she breaks it up. And she's like, this isn't what I wanted. And then four years, five years later, she gets married. That's success. You know what I mean? Like she, she bought in knowing that this is the plan. And she felt this, this conviction that says, I have uh-huh. something more. But she, she messed up along the way. But don't we all? I mean, that's the whole idea of the yeah, Christian right. life. You yeah. know, we, yeah. we didn't so, say I follow Christ and now I'm perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, so, Toby, where do you want to go with that? I mean, I think that makes sense. You're saying that you have to leave the door open for the failure to be there in a way that's not condemning somehow. And I, like I'm right. saying, I'm not. Well, I mean, that's what we're all saying. I mean, like, I, there, I, but that's, just, that's what we're talking just about. Just sitting here, as soon as you said that, I was thinking about Matt's daughter's name is Georgia. And I was just thinking about her two years old. And then, you know, I have two daughters myself, five and, and one. And, uh, and I just think, man, what? I mean, you're you're right. I mean, we all we all have to at least admit admit mathematically the chances are they are going to have right. sex. I have three kids, and I w- I guess I mean if I had to to bet my life on it, I would say they probably will. Now I'm going to do everything I can not to, <laughs> but my parents did that. My parents said, "Don't have sex. Don't don't fool around. Don't do these things." You know, I it was always it it, it did feel that way. Like I I thought there was something bad about it. And then so, and so when you said that, man, I actually just typed it in and and Jason, I'm sure you probably know all these statistics, but like the one I thought was like by age 22, 24, 89% of males and 92% of females have had sex. And like, you know, it just, it starts at like, I think the earliest age, it says a lot, 25% of males and 26% of females lose their virginity at 15. And and so spell one more thing, since we know most of the people in our country and on that survey are Christian, you can't say, but yeah, but that's like worldly people. That's Christians. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the majority, but I mean, mean, most people, I mean, well, yeah, well, just Christians are like the, the largest religion. Christianity is the largest religion. So obviously, so so that's, includes yeah. yeah. So, so I think like, that's what I'm wondering, like it, when, 
when you when you say that, what is that like for somebody? Like, what? That's my question. Going going back to it, it's like I I think in that moment, man, I bet you guys put on such a great presentation. It's really awesome. You can get really excited. That it, it. Do you? What is it working like? Like it was you, a sixteen year old takes that commitment, but when they're twenty four, are they still thinking about that silver ring thing? Right. Well, I can tell you, I can only tell you from our own experience. You know, I, uh, I equate it as, as I look in when Jesus kind of gives a parable of the soils. And he basically, you know, the, the, the seed is the gospel. It's what he's sending out there. It's the truth. And I look at it in the same way is that, hey, when we're throwing this message out, I know it's the right message. I, th- I don't think anyone's going to deny it, that this is what is right. Now, right. it's the practicality of living out that makes the difference. And so uh-huh. for, there's four responses. Some people don't take it. And the next three do. And I say, what we see in our event, I think we see within our event, some people that no matter what you say, they're not going to believe you. They're going to go on doing whatever they want to do. And that's yeah. fine. There's the next three that are going to initially, you know, they're going to respond positively. But two out of those three, it's, it's, it's not very deep. You know, one's going to fall away because of temptation and some pressures. Someone's going to fall away from just the, you know, just the inability. There, there's no root. There's no depth. But it says with the one mm-hmm. that falls on fertile soil, that's the one that produces that harvest. And I've seen, I mean, I got a girl on our team right now sharing her story. This girl, she's 22, 23 years old, just got married in June. She came to an event, first event, five years ago when her dad had walked out as a crack addict. She'd never been in a church, came to this event, gave her life to Christ at the event, committed to purity, joined our team five years later after walking that out, met her husband on the road on our team when they got married in June. That girl now, her life, she's going out and sharing her testimony with thousands of people. So when I look at like that hundredfold, you know, thing, like her, her, the way this ministry and this message intersected her life five years ago, against all odds, she mm-hmm. should have been sexually active. I mean, she was before that, but it changed her life radically. She's living it. So that's the hope that I have. Does that hope, yeah. you know, last for everyone? No. Do I hope that, do I hope that works with my own kids? Certainly. I got four kids too, from six years old down to 10 months. And I hope for every one of wow. them, I'm going to keep the conversation i'm not going to set the well, bar let's talk lower. about a couple let's talk about a couple parenting things i think joey's that, got a question yeah let, let me let me ask Go this ahead, real joey. quick just but before we move on is uh i'm i'm with you for sure uh more than than skeptical but, but i guess the thing that keeps coming in my mind is, is at one point you said i think calling them to i don't know if you said one of the highest callings or what what do you think about two and a half hours of just the the purity of the gospel and like how how great Jesus is and how deadly sin is and how more powerful Jesus is than sin and you know how the world is defined you know by God and and Jesus coming you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. it just seems like w- the focus is one sin where does that where does that leave someone with the gospel and all that yeah, well, I mean, within our event, we present the, the gospel is kind of the culmination <clears throat> to everything that we present. I mean, we basically, you know, uh, we wrap up everything kind of encompassing that, hey, there, this is just one sin, but there's all sin that separates us from God and that, you know, and give the whole story of the cross and, and Christ and redemption. And again, that empowerment of the Holy Spirit that teaches us to say no to ungodliness, however it's presented. Again, what we have seen is that for this message, like sexuality is so big in our culture. And so this has been for us just ripe soil to present the gospel because yeah. virtually every kid in the mm-hmm. audience is dealing with it. Yeah. And so when we present the gospel at our events, the response to it is, 
extraordinary because whether you're dealing with pornography or you're sleeping with a boyfriend or girlfriend or you get baggage from the pet, whatever it is, you're, you're bringing in image-related, sexual-related, all this stuff because it's so core kind of to who we are. Again, going back to that uniqueness of when it says that there is no sin like sexual sin. So I think we, we focus in on it only because of the unique nature it has to harm you more than anything else. Not because it's worse than something else, not because it, it separates you from God more than something else, but it's the, the sin. It says that he who sins sexually sins against himself. So you, mm-hmm. you take in shame and guilt. I mean, why is it that when we go and we get married, it's, like, it's, still, it's pretty easy to confess our past, whether it's drugs or alcohol or things like that, but most people hide aspects of their sexual uh-huh. history with their future spouse. Because there's a unique yeah, Jason, damning to it. This is a, yeah, you're, I mean, I'm really loving what you're saying, enjoying talking to you more than I even thought I would. Now, what I really appreciate is your both ability and desire to tie this stuff back into Scripture and the gospel. And I hear that loud and yeah, clear. Yeah. Like, I don't hear you saying, I don't hear you, and, I, and you do a lot more and a lot better than I do. So you, uh, I don't hear you saying, we got to protect them. We just want the parents to feel like they're safe and it's good you got to do good. Like, you know what I mean? So on, on one level, on the surface level, it could sound like you're just saying, Hey, be more moral. Don't do bad stuff. Here's a program. Parents can drop their kids off up at, they can feel good. But that's not what I hear coming from your mouth and from your heart. So I really appreciate that. And my question, just because where I am in life is definitely centered around parenting. So one thing it does bring up to me that, man, the fact that this program works so well and does this probably does point to the fact that there's a bunch of parents who do want somebody else to hammer the message into their kid like that's definitely a problem in our culture as a whole and we probably need more parental involvement and that's what i'm most concerned about i I wonder and what's your opinion of this anybody who has a kid older than me which all y'all do is the right strategy to to put the gravity of sex so high that that they, they don't ever do it or would it be the wrong approach to say listen of course, I don't believe this. This is what the gospel says. This is what the Bible says. All the stuff that Jason says. However, if you do have sex, you can just tell me. It's totally fine. It's okay. I won't be mad. Right. Is that a good way to put it? And if you need condoms, please use them. I'll give them to you. I mean, what, <laughs> how far does that go? I'm serious. Well, yeah. Like, I the, think... Or like, like Toby's parents were like, no matter what, don't do it ever. You know, people do that a lot. And then then you just can't tell them. So I'm really interested in exploring that line of, of what is either encouraging or enabling or stopping. I wonder what y'all three think about that. Uh, yeah, my, really just, just a side note, I mean, my parents totally did the, hey, if you drink, you will die. If you have sex, you will have you will immediately have AIDS and a baby. <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was like but, the but most see, that, condemnation that ever. Work, though. Yeah, it we didn't know that work. Bluff doesn't I was work. like, oh, I mean, so, there's lots of people so there. What, it, so. so would you tell your daughter, look, I really think, if you if you had to have sex or not, I'm going to go with not. But if you do, that's totally cool. Like, you wouldn't say that either. So right. what, what would you say? I think I hope that my wife and I have an open conversation with all of our kids to, to that, that they experience any mistake that they make through a lens of grace and forgiveness so that they know no matter what they've done, I want to be there. You know, every study and every survey will show you that no matter what we think, parents are still the leading influence when it comes to their child's sexual decision-making. So the problem is too many parents don't really set their expectations or they do have one 10 minute conversation tricking their kid when they said they were going to go play tennis and they go do something else and talk about the 10 minute sex talk get it off our back and wipe our hands clean with it you know so our ministry even silver anything is just one piece of a puzzle hopefully the parents will employ to 
you know, create a, an expectation and a uh, kind of framework around their kids that they see, you know, I want my kids to hang around with all the kids that are on our team. I want my kids to be around parents who've, who've lived this before them and can see the value and the benefit and what it meant for their marriage. I want them to look at it from a positive standpoint, not from a uh-huh. don't have sex, don't get pregnant. Um, when it comes to even so like if, the, if even you're 16 if, years old, you're 16 years old. If you, I don't want you to have sex, but if you do, you can tell my, your mother and I. Yeah, if you're 16 years old, if you do is it, that what I want you would say? You, yeah, I would say if you if you do it, I want you to come to me because I don't think it's the right thing. I don't think it's the best thing for your life, and I think it can be devastating to your life. But I don't. I'm not going to condemn you for it. I know the pressures and all the temptations are in the world, and I want to help you to make the best choices. Odds are. My kid is not going to come to me, especially if that you do you know that, especially amongst Christian kids who've heard the right message, there's significant levels of guilt and shame that first time. It's like there's an excitement to it, but then after oh, that, yeah. there's that conviction. And so hopefully if they I've seen so many times where that's happened where students have come to their parents and after that, if they've had that open communication, and it's not like I've done it and I want to keep doing it. It's oh my gosh, I did it. It wasn't all it was cracked up to be. You were right. How can I now, you know, start to live differently? So and I would say, you know, we got to ask the question. You mentioned even the idea of uh, condoms. And uh, I would say I'm going to fight forever with my kid to, even if they tell me they're going to have sex, I'm going to fight to keep pointing them to the picture of that's not what the gospel is. That's not what Christ is calling us to. That's not the life that is going to, you know, bring you the future that you hope in marriage. And so I'm not ever going to tell them, go ahead and do that. Because as soon as I've done, I've caved into that. And my question back to people often is, so what's the so worst no condoms. Thing? Yeah, because what's the worst thing? What are we doing with a condom? We're just trying to prevent pregnancy, right? So right. we're preventing pregnancy at the or risk disease, of then maybe. having our kid become prolifically sexually active because with condom you know, frequency comes more frequency. So they have sex with more people and more often. And so what you're doing to your emotion and to your, to your soul, to who you are, again, sinning against yourself. Sometimes I've seen to where a baby is the best thing that could happen, <laughs> A baby is what called someone back to responsibility and maturity in the relationship with Christ. All we're doing with economy is trying to to quiet that down. And most so, of who's the, time, the enemy here? That's what. That's my next question. Who's the enemy? Is it? I'll give you a few suggestions. Is it Planned Parenthood? Is it the the public health system and the education that teaches sex ed and gives out condoms? Is it just the devil? I mean, is it what is people? The, is, it, is it TV and movies? Yeah, who's, I would, the, who's well, the enemy? I mean, culture culture is just it's it's a loose way of saying it's it's Satan. I mean, Satan is the one who's you know prowling, seeking to kill and destroy both our lives presently, our lives future, seeking to destroy the image of God, seeking to destroy that oneness. I mean, when it says that the two shall become one flesh, and now we're trying to take what God created in marriage and the beauty that that can be, and just casually say it's just physical. So I would say that. There are several agents in that, which could be the Planned Parenthood, public school system, culture in general, pop culture. But ultimately, it's Satan trying to use all the different tools to destroy what God intended to be something that's great. I mean, that's what we used to, and you know, maybe you heard this in the event years ago, we yell out from the very beginning, sex is great. It's an awesome thing. It's created for a right context. Out of that context, it can be destructive. Okay, with that being said, I do think... You fight for it, and you say, okay, I, I like that stance. Hey, no matter what, this is what I believe, so I'm, I'm going to stand that way. I'm not going to give my kids condoms and just expect, like you said, lower lower the bar. But um, at the same time, I wonder, like, when when you say, like, guilt and shame that people feel, like, I, I, is that just in Christians? Like, are, I, I feel like a lot of non-Christians, especially people I've been around, they don't, 
they don't ever feel that necessarily bad. And, and whenever I hear something negative about sex outside of marriage, it's usually from a Christian standpoint of, oh, man, I feel bad for that person. But the, so that's why it feels like sometimes it's, it's unrealistic because what are the bad things about having sex outside of marriage? I, I, like we said, you could get pregnant. You could get a disease. But uh, but everybody, that's across the board for anybody. I mean, you know, that, 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 that's just, regardless of what you believe, those are the two potential things that could happen from having sex. But what is, like, really bad? Like, if there's a 17-year-old, two 17-year-olds, and they're having sex, and then they break up, and no kid or no disease, what are you saying that they're carrying that's going to, is, like, so detrimental? I would say the only thing that's going to be, you know, as, as our – as science is caught up with the scripture writ, wrote more than 2,000 years ago, is that we're, we're understanding now brain chemistry and even the bonding effect of sex related to chemicals within our own body. You know, so that idea literally of like the two shall become one, I, I would say for, for anyone that if, you, if you're in a, in a sexual relationship as a teenager and, uh, and then you break that up and then you get involved in another one, you break that up. What happens, you have, you have chemicals in your, it's the same thing that happens with pornography. You have chemicals in your body. For girls, it's the oxytocin. For guys, it's vasopressin that literally bond you to one another. It's what's supposed to make the marriage covenant so strong. And so you keep doing that. You, you engage in sex. You get there, you break up. Get there, break up, get there. Later on, you find the one, the person you want to spend your life with, and then you can't make it stick. They can't. Well, most often, I think, and they link divorce rates and things like that to sexual activity before then. So that's one thing I would, but overall, I mean, reality is like you just said, I mean, if it comes down to, I believe this is right because I believe when it says that, do you not, do you know your body's not your own, your body price, therefore glorify God in your body. As a Christian, I believe this is what God calls myself and all of us to because of what he did at the cross. So I have an obligation to glorify him with it. If I didn't believe that, I probably believe in the eat, drink, and be married. Tomorrow we die. Screw it. Who cares? You know, because if the worst thing I have to worry about is, you know, an STD that maybe can get masked by, uh, you know, medication or a baby that I can, you know, take care of, then yeah, outside of that, it just depends on what you want for your future. I would say if you want a long-term committed marriage somewhere down the line, you're going to screw that up most likely the more sexually active you are prior to it. And I like what Matt was saying, too. I do think this is a parent thing. And I wanted to ask you about that, like the, the parent involvement in there, because one thing that's interesting, having talked about this, like in telling you, you know, like my parents stance on sex, like it is wrong. Do not do it to you. Just don't. But they had the exact opposite reaction to me cleaning my plate. <laughs> and so I got big and fat. I mean, I really did. Like I got huge and it wasn't like at all an issue. They didn't care. You know, like, like, I mean, and that, that did health wise, uh, emotionally, physically. It, I mean, it, it did terrible things to me, like a whole opposite, uh, spectrum, I guess, as far as, I mean, it's still a body issue, I suppose, but yeah, at least when you have like, sex, the kids think you're cool. You got picked on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. My parents took the, I, I wish they would have said, don't overeat. <laughs> at least it would have probably been, it's pretty close to enjoy as much and a good meal is pretty good. But, um, but yeah, what about parent involvement? Like, do you see that? Like, are these kids, uh, are your kids mostly Christian when they come to these things? Are, are you, is, is there a ton of atheists or agnostics that are coming to these things? Or is this like kids that are feeling repressed and don't want to tell anybody about the sex because they're Christians? Yeah, it depends on uh, the events that we do. And some of the locations that we go, we'll do, we'll try to do some school assemblies, stuff like that ahead of time. We see a lot more non-Christians show up just because our team really breaks the mold when it comes to stereotypes. You know, the stereotype that most people have of a abstinence group or things like that is it's going to be some middle-aged person up there just saying don't have sex 
but our team is a bunch of cool young people that are authentically living it out. And when they, we go into a school, we'll do assemblies, we meet some of these kids and we hang out with them, we talk with them. They see, wow, you're not as weird and from some other planet like we thought. Maybe we'll come and listen to more of what you want to say. And at those events, response to the gospel like even goes through the roof. Uh, but majority, I would say, yeah, reality is that a majority of our marketing and outreach goes directly to the church and to youth leaders and communities and churches trying to get them. Because if, 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 if we as the church and those within the church aren't first living this out, then how's anyone else going to do it? You know, if we're not being that example to others, it's going to be very difficult for other people to just want to jump in. No one's out there saying, hey, sign me up for the no sex thing. You know, that's not the natural yeah. thing in our bodies and our lives. You know, it's, it's part of that, you know, in the verse on our ring, it's part of that when it says, you know, it, that God calls you to sanctification, to be set apart, avoid sexual immorality, and you learn to control your body. It's not natural. Our sinful nature and just part of who, even how God created us is to, relationships should go in that direction. So yeah, I love I love that answer because I, I really appreciate that, and I, I even think we kind of I, I love when we focus in on Christian culture and we say I mean because you can start with hey you know the Bible you're calling yourself a Christian so yeah. uh, you know what I mean you can start there which makes it a lot easier because not only it, a non Christian would go well I mean there's no precedent for this I don't believe in the Bible so what are you telling me you know I, I mean you know who are you but starting with Christians I think that is the way to go because. I do think this is an important issue in that, I mean, in so many ways, but in one big issue is just, honestly, for me, I get so tired of Christianity looking so hypocritical with, yeah, we'll have sex outside of marriage and that's not a big deal. But if you're gay and you're doing that sexual sin, it's a really big deal. Yeah. But my sexual sin isn't that big of a deal. You know, yeah, my girlfriend, you know, like I've known a Christian family where they had two sons and one was gay. And the other son was having unbelievable sex outside of marriage. And the family loved the son that was having heterosexual sex and totally disowned the son that was having yeah. gay sex. And I was like, wait a minute. Because but, I mean, a sin. Th those are both sexual sins. Right. So right. I, I really do appreciate that, like facing that culture. Because you go, what? hold on, I got I to gotta face up this too. I, I'm sexually sinning. So, right. uh, so let me start there. Let me start with me. Let me big, figure out this plank in my eye. And then we can kind of go from there. But um, so I really do appreciate that. Uh, next thing I was going to ask you too, and I don't know what you guys' stance on this, but what is the stance for silver ring thing or you guys for masturbation? Like, if you're not going to have sex, are you guys like, well, you can handle it this way, or just stay away, don't get near your genitals? Is that what is that what, what is your stance? <laughs> yeah, we don't even, uh, you know, from the stage talking to middle school, high school students in that context, we don't even really address it within our event. Uh, we do. I mm -hmm. mean, we would say that mutual masturbation, you know, so you taking care of a girlfriend or she taking care of you that's obviously that's going to be that's out of that's out of question i mean that's touching someone's private areas if it's touching an area that the bathing suit covers it should be off limits and in the same way because the the culmination of that is going to be is creates that same bonding effect so you're still creating that now within uh you know you at home alone uh we don't really take issue with that i think uh dr dobson years ago basically said it's not a hill to die on because 99% yep. of guys have done it and the other 1% are lying. So right. what's the point? It's, I think it's only – we don't really take it up if I talk to someone individually. Uh, it does come down to spiritually the question of what are you thinking about when you're doing it? Because if you look lustfully upon someone, you've committed adultery. So right. I, guess, I guess practically speaking, if you could do it and not think of someone, there really wouldn't be anything wrong with it. But I agree, man. What I are you focusing I, on when the, you're doing it? And. The only issue we've talked to parents about, too, is 
really at the place where you go to talk to your kids is when it becomes a consuming behavior. When you, when you know it's happening and you know it's happening for however you've discovered that a lot. So when kids are planning schedules around when they can be home and this and that, um, and the other time, most of the, most masturbation today is linked to pornography. And right. I think the dangers sure. of that are becoming very, very evident. When you say that people, you know, can masturbate if they don't think lustful thoughts, I mean, in college, people tease me, but I, I pulled it off. No pun intended. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Come on. I, I, what's funny to me is that I, I guarantee you most like non-Christians go, so you're telling me the re- I'm masturbating to do something sexually and then don't think anything sexually. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, though, is I, I remember I remember like having a migraine in my dorm room, and I'm like, man, masturbating would really help me right now. So I'm masturbating, and then with all my might, I'm like, don't think of anything. Don't. And it's like it's like intense. It's like I'm not going to think of anything. I'm not going to well, think of anything. And I'm just going to get through yeah. and not think of anything. Well, the, well, part of the problem too is that we're trained just like we, there's pornography so early, sex is so early that you're immediately you have thoughts in right. your head right. so you start with the thoughts and oh, yeah. then you act on those with the master it's not like hey I, I feel something i'm going to right. you know whatever you want to call it i'm gonna i'm gonna masturbate or relieve myself or whatever you start with the bad thought or the lustful thought i should say and uh and then you go there but i think i think the whole masturbation topic and jason i i when i read uh, dobson's words on i was surprised with how quote unquote liberal he was with it, but it just resonated with me completely because I think you if you take the masturbation issue and you try to make a hard sell for that being a sin to, you are just setting kids up to feel guilty and ashamed and and just defeated completely. I mean I I want to have open conversations uh, you know, with my boys about masturbation specifically because that's something that I can relate to growing up and and say the same thing. Look, you you really should try not to lust, but hey, if you could figure out how to masturbate without lust, please <laughs> do so. <laughs> you know? I mean <laughs> Okay, so that brings up some technical stuff for me. I'm in, y'all got me interested now. So All right. Finally. Yeah, Matt's never interested. Mm. Yeah, so you're saying masturbation in that way, okay, and then we, you talked about mutual masturbation and intercourse, so let's go down the line here on just your stance. Now, I know you don't, aren't the be-all, end-all for it, but he is, actually. sexual he intercourse. Is. Look him up. <laughs> yeah, the, the sexpert, right? <laughs> the sexpert. <laughs> Today joining us is Jason the sexpert. <laughs> my wife will kill me if she thinks that's my title. <laughs> yeah, that's that hilarious. That's exactly she what She can guy tell you how true that isn't, by the way. <laughs> that's exactly what every guy tells his wife. Hey, I am a sexpert. <laughs> <laughs> if I told my wife that, she'd laugh at me out of the room. Go ahead, go ahead Matt. So intercourse, no, right? No. Okay, blowjobs and handjobs. No. Is that okay? And are those? Are you still a virgin if you do those things? Because you know, in Christian culture, we have this crazy amount of mental gymnastics people do. So I'm going to make it kind of plain and out loud here. So, blowjobs and handjobs. Are you still a virgin? Is that a no? Can you do that? I, I think. Uh... I don't know how you really define virginity in the culture because I don't define virginity as something physical but something mental. You know, because if you are, uh, let's say you get raped, like legitimately, you're walking down the street, some guy jumps out of the bushes and a girl gets raped. You know, spiritually, like emotionally, she's a virgin because she didn't give anything away. Your virginity hmm. can't be taken from you. It can be given. Yeah. And so, but physically, she may have, she may have contracted something. She may get pregnant. She may have an STD. So physically, she's no longer a virgin. So, if we're talking from a uh, spiritual, from a physical standpoint, virginity has been defined by penetration intercourse. So, yeah, blowjob, handjob, uh-huh. no. But spiritually, I think that once you have 
you know, got yourself to that level, I would say the, the purity in your life, your virginity is certainly in jeopardy because you're now fulfilling someone in a way that you should really sure. only do within the context of marriage. Well, that's the biggest thing I've seen in my realm. And I'll just be honest in my life for me, it was, well, I didn't penetrate, but I cannot, I, mean, I can give you a million more sexual terms that I engaged in that weren't vaginal penetration. Yeah. Well, so, like, yeah, and the, I would the, say like virgin. Christian dry humping. That's right. like a huge one. Yeah, thing, I right? mean, everything. So, but, but I, I mean, think that's what you're saying, right? Do you call things. it Christian dry hump? Well, no, Christian's that dry hump. <laughs> I mean, which is for people that don't know, that's just you know, I guess everybody knows what that is. Yeah. So I don't have to define it. But but Jason, you're still saying like this is what I, I like clarifying this for is the problem is you're not you're not penetrating, but you are doing something mentally that is very sexual and you're trying to do that only for the sexual gratification gratification right right so that would that wouldn't be good person it's not good to even though you don't break the rules it's like that it's that idea of christians going yo god you know god said don't have sex outside marriage we're not i'm I'm not penetrating you you know i'm not doing anything we're just here heavily petting each other and (laughs) but the the intent is still the same so you're not really breaking you know you're not getting around the real thing you're really and you're using your non-spouse as an object right totally Totally, totally, totally. That's like the Jewish people that. That's like the Jewish people observe the Sabbath, so they pay other people to do stuff for them, so they didn't technically break the law on Sunday or whatever. Yeah, you know. So also in keeping with that, like I'm saying, that's what I think. I and a bunch of other people I know. That's what we've been really guilty of is just spinning it to ourselves. So if we're going to be honest about these things this way, do we? Are we also telling our kids, "Hey, son"? You're 15 now. I, I did sexual acts with 16 women before your mother, just so you know, and I hope you don't. Is that Are we there? In conversation with your kids, I think uh, I, you have to introduce things to your kids at an appropriate time, and I think it's going to be different for each parent depending on, uh, I think, the relationship with their child and where their kid is at. You know, I'm not saying that you have to divulge your whole sexual past. Uh, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's necessary that you do. Um, because if you, someone told me once that if you, if you tell kids what not to do because you're doing it while you're doing it and you're a hypocrite, but if you tell your kids what not to do because you did it, you're a parent. So I think if I, if I'm, you know, doing something that I, you know, that I'm telling my kids that I, they shouldn't do while I'm doing it outside of the marriage context, then, you know, I'm being a hypocrite about it. But I don't think that, you know, it all depends on the age context. I think it depends on that relationship to know how much you want to divulge. I don't think that, Probably until a college age or later would I probably divulge information to my kids about my own past. But then again, mm-hmm. it could be an opportunity because I can share in our, in our relationship the difference between my wife and I coming into it. Where she was a virgin, I was not. And how, why I desire that for them is because I know some of the challenges, honestly, that it even presents in our marriage today. You know, just relation, of, of just trust, of feeling like that she you know, saved herself for something to be so unique. And she, you know, there could be moments where she feels like, am I still comparing her to somebody else? Do I, you know, desire something from her because I received it somewhere else, you know? And so I don't want my kids to have that. I would love for them to have everything to know that like, man, this is just unique to the two of us. And it's awesome because we have nothing to compare it to. So I think there's probably a context to where we'll have that conversation, but it may be different with my sons as it is with my daughter. You never yeah, know. For sure. Yeah. That, I, one one last thing too, I wanted to talk to you about. I guess probably, and we haven't talked about this, but I'm sure one of the biggest things, and and I don't know if this is a calling of you you guys, but I'm sure this happens at every show you guys do, every event that you guys do. I'm we haven't even talked about that much going into these kids. 
there's probably an unbelievable amount that were molested or sexually abused and you have to start there like right like i mean is are you is that happening a lot are are people coming up and being like yeah I, you know i was raped or i was molested or or whatever are you are you guys coming across that much where people are starting with sex where it was forced upon them yeah 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 we get a lot of that and a lot of the people come up especially the uh, team members that'll share you know their own stories from the stage some of which may have abuse in the past or rape or different things like that and so um yeah there's a lot of the baggage that teens kind of carry forward and be able to and the biggest thing is really not hearing this message and not realizing that no matter what's been done to you like like some people actually think that somehow it was their fault you know that when a father or an uncle or someone like that abused them i mean we had a girl last year who uh who approached us right after event up in oregon whose father was actually a, a, a pastor of a church and and her oldest brother started, you know, molesting her when they were very young. Then her, the second brother started, they both did it, not knowing that the other one was even doing it. This girl was getting abused by her two older brothers sexually. And she didn't know, she was contacting us saying, how do I, how do I handle this? Because I, I don't know how to have a normal relationship with guys now. I don't know how to not look at them like kind of scornfully or sinfully or, or not even look at them sexually because of my own past. So yeah, we got to work through a lot of that stuff. In many cases, we got to, you know, we'll try to refer people to different counseling and local crisis pregnancy centers or local churches. Um, but I mean, the the level of uh, perversion I think that the kids have experienced and the level of abuse that is uh, it's it's staggering and it's saddening. You know, it really is. It, it breaks your heart to hear some of the stories that we come in contact with every day. Man, I I just hate hearing that. Yeah. It's just like the the weakest people on earth. We you know adults. You know, as soon as you get old enough, you start abusing the, somebody that's younger and weaker than you. Yeah. And it's just like that. That's not going away either. So so nope. so I agree. I mean, it's it, this is needed. I, I I assumed that was going to be the case, and it just breaks my heart to hear that. That just, there's just people out there that I, I bet you. And, and you probably could attest to this that there are people that come and go. Oh, it's just a church event. I'll go to it. Yeah, you know, no big deal. And then hear some of the stories from stage, and then just like, oh, that's me. I gotta, yeah. I gotta tell somebody about that. That yeah. I love hearing that. Not that the sin was on them, but that they don't feel alone, and they go, oh, wait. Like, like you said, I mean, how how horrible is that if you're a young lady and you go, well, my, you know, my own brothers who are supposed to love me treated me this way, so this is what love is. Yeah. Men use you, and now I see men this way. Yeah, and like how? I mean, that has to be so confusing and and hurtful. And you, and then you're right; she has tons of shame that was placed upon her. And I think that's one of the biggest things that Satan uses is shame. I mean, you know, guilt. Yeah, not, I mean, even with the people that are 16 and popular and hot that just decided to have sex, they still have shame, and then that hmm. affects them. And there's a reason why they got where they are. So you have two main things that go on that intersect here, and that is one: if you understood everybody's backstory, like the abused person or the person seeking attention or trying to have sex to be popular, then you actually would understand how and why they were like that, first of all, so you wouldn't just label them as bad. Right. And then on the other hand, the perversion part, the people that prey on people, I'm telling you, it's not that different. It's just a more extreme version of the 17-year-old boy like me trying to dry hump a girl because I wanted to. That's that's. I mean, that's twisted. That's that's using another yeah. person as an object for your gratification that you don't care about. Now, a pedophile, 25-year-old and a 5-year-old, yeah, way worse. Way worse example of the same thing. So yeah. those two things intersecting, it's crazy what what can happen, but the biggest thing to me is you ha- you know Christian culture has been so good for so long at telling people what not to do and what we've done poorly, and it sounds like you guys are doing a good job of this, and that's what I appreciate is 
letting letting people know that they can say what they have done, that they right. need to do that, that the shame. I mean, we, we haven't done good at uh, understanding people that have done bad things that we see as bad, but we've done a great job of telling them why it's bad. So right. that's the progress I think we're making in Christianity as a whole is making it more okay for more people to be honest. So if you guys yeah. are doing that, then kudos to you very much. We appreciate that work being done. Yeah, that's and, what we're trying to, I mean, that's exactly what we're trying to do. Just be honest about your own past, about where you're going, and about the present struggle. Like I said, that's why we try to be, we don't try to set the standard from stage to say that, hey, if you're not perfect, if you're not a virgin, walk out the back. We don't want you here. And if you're not going to be that, you know, you have no place here. We're basically saying, hey, do you just, do you agree that this is based on what you've heard, heard here today, that this is the best plan for your life? And you're going to go out there and fight the fight. Whatever that looks like, it's going to be different for every person. But as long mm-hmm. as, I think, again, it's, it's an expression. You know, the idea of purity is a, fu- is a fruit of the Spirit. It's self-control. Okay? And so for us to control our own self to say, this is what I will do, this is what I won't do through the power of the Holy Spirit, that's what really purity is. And so as we challenge kids to go out there and do that, it's going to be a fight. And um, one of the things that I think has been so powerful, and I, and I share this with people all the time, which I think is really lacking in a lot of the culture today, is just uh, I, I'm struck by how many times... Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, basically you know, challenges the church and uh, the believers, and he basically says, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. And all he's basically saying is, I'm a role model. I'm a poor example of, I'm a poor example of Christ, but I'm still the best one you're going to find around here. And what I see in our team is what I admire, because I'm 36 years old. Our team is mainly 18 to 23, living this out, not without struggle, not sometimes without failure, but as best they can, trying to live out the gospel, live out what Christ is calling them to do in their lives, and basically saying, hey, I'm going to put my life on display. So if you start to imitate me to some degree, you're going to start to you know, walk a little bit closer to Christ. And we don't have enough of that. We don't have enough people being willing to say, I'm standing up in the struggle. I'm going to live this out. I mean, sometimes it's tough enough just to say you're a Christian in today's culture, but then to say you're the Christian that's not having sex, you're like a whole different new kind of animal some kind of weird aborigine christian you know that people think is so weird and so but we need more people just basically saying i'm not going to be perfect but i'm going to try and i'm going to try it through the power of the holy spirit because i want the best in my future wife husband and marriage that i can possibly have and and, and talking about that future so here's the the other thing too that i think what do we do for people? Because we go, okay, wait till you're married, and then there's going to be beautiful sex. And then sex, I, I, I feel like we dropped the ball, too, on, hey, when you first have sex for the first time, it's not, like, amazing. <laughs> it's not It's not like, you know, Jennifer Lopez and Matthew McConaughey, you know, you're ripped, you're perfectly <laughs> perspiring, there's awesome music, and everybody is super happy at the end. It's not like that. You know what I mean? It's like a couple seconds, and everybody's like, oh, that, you know, you know what and I mean. Your like, wife is like, yeah. "Oh, so, that's it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, how how do we teach people? Like, hey, that it, was your wife, by the way. No, no. Trust me, it's exact opposite, <laughs> Mister. But uh, I, I do think like we need to tell people the reality of sex as well. Like, hey, listen, it's going to be awesome, and it will be better if you two are the only people that ever do this and share share this with each other and learn. You know, like I think I think people think, oh, well, I waited this long, man, I'm going to get mine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is about me right now. I, I kind of thought that. Yeah. I, I remember telling Jess before we got married, seriously, I said this. I was like, listen, you know, we're going to have sex all the time, right? <laughs> <laughs> and she was really, really nice and kind and, and gracious to me yeah. and, and through all that stuff. But, I mean, the truth is, like, I mean, it's not just easy. Like, if you wait, it's not like – 
I, I think there, there should everybody should not set these huge expectations either of, well, if you married, if you wait till marriage, then sex will be unreal. I'm, I mean, maybe for some people it is, but I would say majority is still going to be right. awkward and weird and uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's uncomfortable to be naked around somebody you know, yeah. with your shirt off sometimes or, or whatever. I mean, just that alone is a huge step. So, and then going on to actually have sex is huge. So I do think we should tell people more the reality of sex too, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, if, and I if think you... we should uh, we should prepare them more too. I mean, I remember when before we got married, uh, a couple who had been married just a couple years before us got us a book, and I think it was called The Act of Marriage by uh, I think it was Tim and Beverly LaHaye, and it was basically all about literally like how does this thing work? What are the different body parts? How do you do this? How do you do that? I mean, it was literally like a textbook written from a biblical perspective, but by two Christians. But really, this is how sex kind of works. This is what you can discover about one another. And you got some tips and pointers in there. You're like, oh, that's that does that. That's that sounds pretty good. And so I think, yeah, I mean, you got on the one hand, you get all these people they hear no, 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 and all of a sudden one night it's yes, and you feel a little bit like, how does this? How do I do this? And I think a lot of a lot of things, even a lot of girls struggle with that too, especially Christians who do make this kind of commitment, like a commitment to abstain, and hear no for so long, and then one night just can flip a switch, flip a switch, and say yes, and that's not not easy. So I think that's part of what we need to communicate and even prepare people for. Uh, and I think those who've gone before us, it's a benefit. I try to do that with people I know getting married. Say, just set that expectation. Hey, it's something that's going to grow. It's going to build that intimacy. You know, it's going to take you some time. And over time, it just gets better. And the truth is, is that, you know, committed Christian couples report the most satisfying sex later in marriage, years down the road. Mm-hmm. So, well, you know. That's great. Yeah, I did, that's that's funny. That's, like the Tim, Tim LaHaye book, did he, did he have like uh, names for his moves, like his sexual moves, like like the, the, like the apocalypse. The, the, this move is the Armageddon. This, this is the left behind. The, and the, this is the series, baby. The, the pre-trip position. I think I, I'm not sure if I got the right name. I know the book's called The Act of Marriage. Well, Jason, your uh, website is uh, silverringthing.com, correct? Correct. That's correct. Yep. All right. Is there anything you want to announce or you say you have got coming up? Is there anything you ask people to do? Just yeah, how do churches website? get in touch with you to bring you guys? Uh, in fact, I, I want to say this, that you guys are coming uh, next Wednesday night to Seacoast, which is the church Toby and I work at, and it's going to be a, a big event for all of our students in the Charleston area. So yeah, that's we're how excited we heard, about how that. We heard are about you going to be in Charleston Wednesday? Are you... Uh, I don't. I don't even have my travel schedule yet for this weekend, so I'm gotcha. not sure. It usually is either myself or our founder and president, Denny Patton, who'll go down there. So, gotcha. Um, but yeah, I would encourage people just go to our site. You know, check it out. There are there's a schedule. You know, we've got the rest of our events here for this spring. We do about 80 events a year, and uh, and we do like we don't. We're not a ministry that just picks a bunch of locations, schedule it, and then says come see us. We I consider us more, much more responsive. So when people in a community say. We want to partner with you. We have a passion. We have a desire to communicate this message. We want to bring you in. Uh, that's how most of our events happen. So yeah. people contact us. We have like an online booking form. We get contact info on there. People can contact me directly. But, you know, we just, we love to partner with people who have the passion, who feel like, you know what, I want to do something about it um, and, you know, try to respond to that and come to them. Sweet. Well, Jason, thank you for coming on yeah, our really podcast awesome. and sharing your opinions and tying them to scripture. We really appreciate the point of view. Awesome, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, this was great, man. I really appreciate your honestly, honest, honesty and openness, and uh, you didn't really shy away from anything. So I'm re- <laughs> I actually really do appreciate it. Yeah, Thank definitely. You. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jason.
Well, I appreciate you guys. I like what you're doing. I, I, I became a new listener uh, once I first got contacted, listening to some of you're doing, and uh, I think it's awesome just to just to really Thank to you. be honest. You know, I mean, and that's why I was telling Nick in some of our emails, like, listen, I'm, we're not going to be afraid to to go to the core of what we believe and what's true. You know, and because it doesn't do anyone any good. So I like. I was listening to ones you guys are doing even about uh, with the reform podcast guys and the oh, alcohol yeah. <laughs> and you know it's just you know I think we got to stop hiding behind religion and just get to what it really means to follow Christ. So yeah, yeah, I, I agree, man. Well, thanks for joining yeah. us, dude. yeah, man. It was a pleasure. Uh, hopefully, yeah, if you're around, maybe we'll maybe we can stop by and meet you in person if you come down to Charleston. So sounds great. All right, see you, man. All right, guys, Appreciate take it easy. Bye, bye. All right, man, Jason, that was pretty good. That was. I good. really enjoyed that interview. That that was probably. A lot more awesome than I thought it would be. Even I thought I didn't know if he would be uncomfortable when we brought up stuff like masturbation. Right? You know, what I mean, I thought you know because a lot of times we bring up the word masturbation even around Christians, they go, <laughs> "Yeah, you know," uh, and they don't like talking about it. He's just a straight shooter, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely. no pun intended. But I mean, he really is a good dude. I mean, I, I, I that that I think. I don't know where I stand on how long or how much it works right. to be in front of a teenager saying don't have sex because, as we all know, sex feels awesome. That's why everybody likes doing right. it. So it's hard to say, hey, this feels awesome. You're going to love it. Don't. I even did it. Just don't do it. That's yeah. really hard to say. Well, <laughs> I, I, I did it, but don't, don't you dare do it. Right. I, I'll say this. like We did this interview uh, a, a little while ago. It's one of those unique situations to where we're, we're bringing. So I've actually been to a silver ring thing event since doing this interview and i have to say that i am completely on board a lot of the pushback and critique criticisms that the three of us uh presented to jason i think we're we're all on board with them and our concerns and our doubts with whether or not that's a good angle to take and i feel like after having gone to the silver ring thing what all was of, it? Tell all of my it. concerns are yeah, tell us uh, about it. Tell alleviated. Us about it. Well, well, first of all, they really did do a great job appealing to uh, students, and I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that. I think if that's the only you know, the only way you set out to do stuff, and that'd be a problem. But Seacoast, our church, for example, they're mainly into small groups when it comes to students. Uh, this is the complete opposite of small groups because you're in a big room, lots of music. One of the guys in the Silver Ring thing actually did hip-hop. So there's lights, there's skits, there's crazy awesome graphics. So it's very appealing. Uh, and as as crazy as it sounds, they definitely pulled off presenting Christianity in a way that's cool for even non-Christians at that age. So in other words, it didn't come across where if you're not a Christian, you come there and you're like, oh, this is so lame. I'm pretty sure everybody's just like, yeah, I may not like the Christianity thing, but these guys are pretty cool. What I was mainly impressed with, though, is it, even though it's a silver ring thing and most of the subject was about sex and not doing it, they addressed all the stuff such as a lot of you have already had sex. That doesn't mean that you're doomed. A lot of you are probably going to have sex after having gone through the silver ring thing. That doesn't mean that life is over for you. And then the main message at the end, you would think, okay, so we're sending you out with these rings. Don't have sex. The main message at the end, the end was the gospel and how Jesus is bigger than all of our sins. Uh, the main question at the end was whether or not kids want to commit their lives to Christ. Uh, so I, I just feel like, uh, sure, they are focusing on a particular subject matter, and you could argue whether or not that's 
right or wrong to do so, but they're definitely doing a hell of a job doing it. Yeah, so. I suppose. I mean, should we have that for? <laughs> I mean, I you know I'm not. I, was, I, I thought Jason was really legit, and I enjoyed his point of view on it. And I meant what I said during the interview that I think that he does a good job and is is more gospel based than than uh, than I would would have thought really. But does that mean we should have organizations, specialty organizations, for just for every sin that go around to auditoriums everywhere? Well, I think it's a like great an overeaters. I mean, I, thing, I, I, uh, I feel the same way kind just, of that about feels like weird. recovery groups, honestly. Hmm. Like, not necessarily, hmm. uh, but I think a recovery group, why can't some of that stuff just be dealt with in small groups? So, me personally, I see a recovery group and a ministry like Celebrate Recovery as being a good thing that needs to exist because you have people that can focus in on one area. For us to say that sex uh, doesn't cause extra... Uh, havoc yep. on teenagers, I think, honestly, is pretty stupid on our parts. And I think that's maybe the angle that you guys come from and where I would even come from sometimes. But sex is a bigger issue than a lot of other sins in with high schoolers. I mean, I, I just I believe that it is. So a ministry that says, man, this is actually... Oh, this is a tough one. It's just like any organ, like the government, the government of America. They're going to be like, "Oh crap, we're having a heart a, a problem with this. We need to focus on this area." Yep. I, I don't see the problem. Yeah, no, I guess so. I can, I can see that totally. I still don't know what I think. Yeah, that's fine. I just don't know. I mean, like, or I feel I put it this way. I don't feel like I have the energy or resources to push yeah. further. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it'd be a great dialogue if you guys. Uh, were able to come too because I, and I don't think that y'all being there would have made y'all just agree with everything. Right. But I do think it would have given you a perspective of, okay, be able to evaluate. Yeah. Better. Well, I think one thing too is I'm getting older and older, so I don't know if I know what younger people like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like maybe I'm just totally wrong and maybe the flashing lights and the cool rapper and the, uh, you know, some somewhat transparent stories or whatever, works and if so that's that's cool to me it seems mostly entertaining right and then i believe fully that somebody will maybe make a commitment and hold to it or maybe even several people but i would think overall it just kind of focuses on that scene and, and you just say oh well yeah i gotta man this must be really serious you go to a thing and you're 15 years old and they go whoa sex outside of marriage is really serious i gotta really think about this and then when you're 17 two years later and you're like oh my gosh i have a boner and my girlfriend is looks really hot and she's down to do something. Yeah, I don't care about that silver ring thing anymore. And so my point is, I don't know after you do that because somebody's put in your mind how big of a deal it is. Like you said, it's a bigger deal for high school players and all that stuff. I mean, I think us saying that makes it way harder for anybody to even talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, well, it shouldn't be. No, no. Their, but I, their but whole premise the is point. to talk about it. No, but but it makes it such a huge thing that when everybody at the end raises, probably raised their hand and said, yeah, I'm committing, I'm getting the ring and all that stuff, then what happens two years later? Are you still ready to talk about it? I mean, it's way easier to raise your hand and say, I'm not going to have sex till marriage. And then you're in a living room and, with your girlfriend and it's ready available and you're like, or, or boyfriend, and uh, – you're like, yeah, I don't care. I'm just, and after you do it, do the the next day you're sitting there looking at your silver ring. Are you going to go tell somebody? Yeah, who yeah. are you going to go tell? Here's yeah. the here's the irony in what what you guys are saying is, if you believe in the Bible, you can read a whole passage where Paul all he's talking about is sex. 
if if it was so bad to focus in on one sin for a particular purpose, I think you're missing the point at the time. No, I'm not missing the point. If if Paul takes a whole chapter to talk about sexual immorality, that means there is a time to focus in on one thing to talk about. I mean, I think you're missing the point. That's what I'm trying to tell you. What's your point then? (laughs) My point is. When your daughter Rosa is 15 years old and you take her to the silver ring thing and you let her experience that and she sees how big it is and how devastating it is and how huge it is for teenagers to have sex outside of marriage, when she's 17... Which is not how it was presented. uh, It seems like they all tell stories about how they were having sex outside of marriage and it was really bad and that's why they stopped. Everybody there said having sex outside of marriage is bad, and probably including you. And it's 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 awful. It's terrible. You shouldn't do it. It wrecks your life. It becomes having an addiction. sex outside of marriage uh, is bad. It, yeah, I agree with you. But what I'm saying is, when we build it up like that, and I'm going to go to an event to realize how bad it is and why I don't need to do it and why I actually need to make a commitment not well, don't to do read this. Those passages by Paul. N- then. Make a commitment not to do this. Then when Rosa is 17 years old and her and her boyfriend have sex. The next morning, she's not going to be like as open. I think to say, "Yeah, you know what? I need to talk about this with dad." Because she's well, going to go, keep her from reading. She's going to say, "I feel guilty, then. and I shouldn't tell my dad because I, I made a promise I didn't keep it." But see, there's responsibility on my part as a father. You I'm not, not hear just, what I'm saying? I do hear I'm what not, you're saying. What am I saying? You're, I basi- I you're basically saying you think that, that you- making such a huge. I mean, you're totally fine with making it, like you said. Sex. I mean, there's tons of things going on with with kids in high school, but sex is like the biggest one. That's what I you didn't said. Say biggest. You said one of the most important, one of the biggest issues that are facing teenagers today. And and my whole point is, when you make it so big and so important, it gets way harder to talk about. Right. For sure. That's so why then, people don't talk so about Paul masturbation have done it or porn or all that. That's not what I'm saying. Oh, foolish Galatians! He should have just stopped talking about sex and just say, "Hey, you're struggling with sin." That's you're a mi- double standard. You're missing I'm not my point. Missing your point. Yeah, you're totally missing my point because is that all Paul talked about? No, it's That's, not. What else is Silver Was Ring? Was it all Silver Ring talked about? Yeah. Their whole the thing is abstinence. and other sins. Their whole thing is abstinence you and going there. to... You weren't there. You weren't there. I just did a podcast interview with the guy where that's what we talked about, Joey. <laughs> what I'm... That's because... What is Silver Ring thing? What, look at the definition of Silver Ring thing and tell me what it says on the internet. What is it about? Is, did you go to the event? That was not what it was I did, all about. I, the reason I didn't go to the events because I led small group that you skipped out on to go to Silver Ring thing. <laughs> so you didn't. You you went to go see the thing about not having sex, and I went to have a real conversation with people <laughs> about all kinds of things. Yeah, like you're I saying. actually had a lot of conversations so, with parents of our students about so. what. Huh? What'd you have a conversation about parents with students about at Silver Ring thing? Oh, all sorts of things. Like what? Life in general. Oh, I talked to one guy about his job, one guy, one lady about her kids. And okay. All sorts of things. So I was having community too. Well, that's cool. Your community was probably with uh, people and you probably yelling at them. Like <laughs> you normally yeah. do at small group no, but Toby did say, Calvinism. but uh, Toby did say for Emory, we, are, we did get a lighting rig and we are adding a DJ and rapper to Emory for the yeah. next album. <laughs> No, <laughs> to try to appeal to the- this just shows where where we differ sometimes with Pastor Joey. He skips out on the small group organic church to go to the big church event with the flashing lights <laughs> and all this stuff, and it changed his life forever. <laughs> he uh, loves you're, it. you're really actually being an asshole right now. It's kind of ridiculous. I love that you're getting mad right now because I'm disagreeing with you. Uh, no, you're you, not, if not you get mad at me disagreeing with you, I'm sorry. It's I, not a disagreement. That means you're, you're the asshole, you're, not me. You're taking a low. I'm shot disagreeing by, with you. You're taking a low <laughs> shot by saying I don't value community. I'm making I a joke. Do you, do you know who I am? I'm in, a, I'm in a business with you. We've been touring Australia for two weeks, and I can't make a joke. Of course I know you like small groups better. Okay. I have to say that? At this point in our relationship, I have to tell you I know that you like small groups better than Silver Ring thing? 
Are you serious? You're being the asshole if I have to say that. Good Lord. I know you. You're in the small group with me. I'm really glad you joined the small group. You used to not be in it. All right. Now it's Joey's turn to be an asshole. Cue the music. I'm almost too mad to give the truth. No, you can't be too mad for that. In a world where Joey can make fun of me and make jokes all the time, but if I say a joke that he doesn't like small groups, he says I'm literally being an asshole. This is the saddest start to news ever <laughs> in the world. I don't even know what to say. I'm um, Sometimes I lose my mind on this podcast, which is good for me. It is very good for me. Y'all need some news? Let's do it. Our good friend Andy Nichols, who plays bass with Emory a bunch, is just entered into the room eating what? Was that an ice cream, Andy? All right, this comes from the Huffington Post. Drunk man drives stolen forklift three miles to retrieve crashed truck. <laughs> this is awesome. And it's in Fairbanks, Alaska, which those Alaskan folks are wild up there, boy. I'm pretty sure it's legal to drink a drive. You can Alaska. do anything in Alaska. I, that's I mean, you can kill somebody and it just, you just take them out there and it doesn't matter. Uh, police in Fairbanks, Alaska say a 21-year-old man drove a stolen forklift more than three miles while intoxicated to retrieve a truck he crashed. Police Lieutenant Matt Sodden says just before 6 a.m. Monday, Alexander Glushko of Delta Junction drove off a road in a pickup and crashed into a pipe stacked in a company yard. The pickup was left straddling the pipe. Police say Glushko then walked to George Horner Ice Park, stole a forklift, and drove off with it. An Alaska railroad worker spotted the forklift driving by the crash site, and police were at the scene when Glushko looped back. Glushko has been charged with a felony driving for with felony driving under the influence of alcohol. He remained in jail Tuesday, and a message seeking comment from a public defender agency was not returned. So I just thought that was just hilarious that the guy was so wasted that he wrecked his truck, but he's still like huh i'm gonna go steal something and get my truck out <laughs> out of a pipe and drove a fort i would love to have seen just a forklift being drive for you know three miles i just think that's so hilarious that that was his first thought not call a friend or, not, or not, just you you got just first of all it. he got away with drunk driving right he did it <laughs> like he had gotten away with the crime of drunk driving and crashing his truck so all he had to do was go home and stay home a little bit. <laughs> I know. I mean, he could have easily. So he said, "I'm." He made the decision. I got away with drunk driving. I better go drunk drive. <laughs> yeah, drunk drive a, a not street legal vehicle. Yeah, he, he on had the podcast. What? I would love to can get, get them on the podcast. Yeah, we'll see if we can uh, I would love to get some Alaskans on the podcast for sure because they are wild folks. All right, this next one now I think is interesting because it comes from our our state of South Carolina. And it has to do with Erskine College. Y'all know that? Yeah, I know people went to Erskine College. My good friend Elizabeth went there for a while. Um, And this comes from uh, SB Nation. South Carolina College with two out gay athletes bans homosexuality in the name of God. What, the school bans it? Yep. Isn't that crazy? After two volleyball players came out as gay, Erskine College, its board of trustees, and its athletic department were pressured to make the school an inhospitable place uh, for gay athletes. And it says, um, 
Now Erskine College has, has issued an, a new official statement, but after what they have done, it says, Christ affirms that marital union is between a man and a woman. The Bible teaches that monogamous marriage between a man and a woman is God's intended design for humanity and that sexual intimacy has its proper place only within the context of marriage. And it keeps on to, going on to say that we believe in the Bible and what it teaches and that even though they have people that attend their school and pay for the school there, that they are have to be against it. And that is kind of in their statements now. So what do you think about that? Like, I mean, should those athletes leave or, or should they stay and try and change the culture? Is this, is this even crazy. important? I mean, well, first of all, I thought, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm confused, but I thought all volleyball players were gay. <laughs> Male or female, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Thought, it just doesn't matter. I volleyball thought that was a prerequisite for volleyball yeah. in the first place. <laughs> um, no, but I think that's, that's absolutely insane thing to do. I mean, yeah. even if you think it's the only th- parallel that I think you ever really need for homosexual lifestyle is uh, unrepentant, greedy lifestyle. Because yeah. people disagree about how greedy is is really greedy or or not greedy like okay people disagree about a way of viewpoints of money that are acceptable or not so if for some people it might be it might be wrong according to some people for people to have 10,000 square foot homes or or have millions of dollars that you don't share or yeah. to make I'm sure there's people in the world with points of view Christian points of view that say it's not okay to live in America and make $100,000 and just keep the keep the money for yourself and only give 10% to your church. That has to, that might be a sin. There's people that think that it is. And if so, those people that live that greed, that lifestyle is are in permanent unrepentant sin of greed. Yeah. So, but those people don't believe that it is a sin. Right. So, I would assume that these volleyball players are either right or wrong about whether homosexuality in the way or who they are is sinful and that's it. So they, so how would you deal with an unrepentant sinner is the question. How do you deal with people that may do something that you think is wrong, but they think it's right? How do you deal with that Christian? You ban them? Yeah, you don't. Like if there's somebody yeah. who goes, I think it's okay to eat this much food yeah. all the time. And you go, I don't think it is. Then that means that you think that is an unrepentant sinner who lives a sinful lifestyle unrepentantly. The person that always eats too much dessert. And you argue with them. They say, no. This is okay. And you say, no, it's not okay. Unrepentant sinner See, I want, full, fully for his whole life. I want to agree with you 100%, and I think I, I, even naturally I do, but the, the scripture that really throws me for a loop is when Paul says, uh, see, I really do believe in the Bible, Matt. When Paul says, um, hey, you know, when, when I'm talking about sexually immoral and the greedy and the swindlers and all that, I'm talking about people outside of the church. Like, don't judge them. What, how right. dare you judge right. people outside the church? But then but he you says, should judge if those inside someone, the church. If, yes. if there's someone inside the church. So is okay. the distinction someone that says, yes, I am sinning. Yes, I'm being a consumer, no, I think and you, I'm going to do it. Right. Let me address that. I think you missed my point. What I'm saying is you have somebody in your church. In fact, do you not have people in your church that you think are eat too much? Right. Okay. Do you think it's possible to sit down with His them? First and, thought and, was me. And you would say to that person, <laughs> You should, therefore, according to that scripture, go to that person and say, listen, I think you're eating too much. I think your lifestyle is gluttonous, correct? Right, right. Okay, now, the, the guy on the other side of your desk at your, in your counseling meeting who you're telling that you're accusing him of a sinful lifestyle of gluttony, now he's going to look at you and say, Joey, I respect what you're saying. I thank you for telling me that as your pastor. I love Jesus, but here's the thing. 
according to the way I read the scripture, same scripture as you, I do not believe that this is gluttony, you see. Mm. This is actually okay. God wants me to eat this. Now, if I eat the other stuff, maybe, yeah. But listen, trust me, I feel right about this. I feel called this way. I think God made me with this appetite. This is right for me to eat this way. <laughs> this, is, this is the way, this is okay. This is not sin, Joey. And I'm, I'm offended that you would say that, but I kind of respect it. But anyway, and now, you, now, now how do you treat that person? You, do, you disagree, about whether, it, but if you're right, that person lives the rest of their life as an unrepentant, vile, filthy sinner with a, a mistaken identity as a, that thinks they're supposed to eat that way. Right. But it wouldn't bother you. I mean, you wouldn't kick that person out of your church and say, unrepentant sinner, gone. I agree. Who do we kick out of the church? Paul seems to think we should kick some people out. Who? I, that, yeah. That's what I'm trying to understand yeah. is I don't know. Yeah, who I'll do leave we it there. Out? I'm just saying if there's somebody <laughs> yeah, who's tough, a, I agree. Yeah, if there's somebody who is an unrepentant sinner, I'm, saying, I'm suggesting that maybe we all are unrepentant sinners in areas that we don't think something sinful, but we're actually deceived. Yeah. So, like, I mean, this, this one to me is, is low-hanging fruit, no-brainer. Like Driscoll told the story one time where a lady basically was setting out to have sex with married men. Yeah. And he said, look, you need to knock it off. And she's like, I'm not going to. He said, well, you're not coming back. Sure. So that, that, that's sure. protecting people. But the example that you gave, I mean, I think we would all agree, well, that guy that's eating too much, you know, he, he certainly can't keep doing that. I mean, not unrepentantly. Well, I mean, you might just go, well, I guess we don't know who's right, right and who's wrong. And you I, could, I mean, you yeah. know. I think going back to the story, though, they just felt pressured from, they're associated with the Presbyterian Church, and they sure. just felt pressured to make sure a statement that they came out against it. So that's the thing. I I think for sure one thing that Joey said, going back to uh, Paul and what he was saying, would be we don't need to say sin just for the sake of saying it. So the person knows, hey, just so you know, I know what you're doing is sin. That's not good. If we're actually bringing it up as a way to say, hey, listen, I don't know. I think what you're doing might be bad for you. I'm saying it. I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to impose yeah. on your rights. I'm not trying to, you know, end your, you, you, you know, be mean to you or all this stuff. I'm just trying to say, hey, listen, hmm. this is, this could be a possibility. So ma- that makes it safe to bring stuff up that you disagree with. Hmm. And it not, but if you're just saying, hey, gay is wrong, I'm going to say gay is wrong. That's all you're well, saying. That's, you know what's weird about that that occurs to me is maybe the problem is an institution dealing with something that's an individual. You see, right. like, like, like what you just said is there's probably a way to talk to people and even bring up, I think this is wrong. I think this isn't good for you. Yeah. I'm not sure about this. Well, an institutional documents and policies can't do that. People can. Right. So when you try to, you have two individuals that you see as problems and you want to deal with it on an institutional level, that's kind of, that's not, yeah. that's certainly not good for the, you know, for the individuals. It's not I agree. A good way it, it, it's, I think it's the epidemic that the church faces is it's really interesting to me in American Christian culture that American Christians are so strong on keep the government out of my business. You know, I'm going to eat what I want, carry the guns that I want, do this what I want. You know, the, the big man, the big government doesn't get a say on me. I have my rights. They are so on board with the big church telling everybody else what to do. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. The, the the big church can go into people's bedrooms. The big church <laughs> can you know tell yep. you that the you know the ozone isn't shrinking. The big church can say all this stuff. But yeah, don't keep, don't, so don't come keep, and get my keep, guns. Keep the government out of my business. That's the church's job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. There's goes my last news story today, guys, and I think this one um, is really funny. Um, and it, I think this is even something that, Joey, maybe you've considered. I'm not sure. But this is something you might have wanted to try in the past. Or maybe you have tried it and just nobody knows about it. Dream Away Weight Loss Program? Michael Chico posed as a cop to cut 
into the fast food line. <laughs> this comes from AP in Odessa, Texas. A West Texas man has been charged with impersonating an officer by using sirens and flashing lights to skip to the head of the drive through line at a fast food restaurant. Odessa police say Michael Chico, Chico was arrested after an off-duty officer spotted a truck with law enforcement trappings. Uh, Corporal Steve Lassure uh, says Chico's vehicle looked like an unmarked police vehicle. The officer who saw the truck cut in line Saturday thought the driver, who was wearing a uniform, was a volunteer firefighter and followed Chico to some apartments. Lassure says that when he he was when he when confronted, Chico said he wasn't an officer and also used the lights and sirens to get through the traffic lights. Chico was freed Sunday on a fifteen thousand dollar bond. Online jail records don't list an attorney for him. So basically, he just thought, man, this he line he sucks. Hack, woo, woo, woo. He hops in front, gets the food really quickly, and moves online. Because you know, the number one thing about in Texas and <laughs> across the South and up to the North, all over America, is that fast food ain't fast. No. Everybody knows that. So I almost think, man, you got to do whatever you can so to what, try and break the cycle. So what's he communicating, though? Is he saying, I've got an emergency I need to deal with, but it's not enough of an emergency for me to skip that's true he's just trying food. to hurt yeah i mean there's, there's a crime I mean, anybody you know. sees that they're like wow it can't be that much he's of got an a 619 can... on the east side town so it you know he needs to get in front of the line to get a whopper right. so he can get just, over there quicker to me that's just reeks of <laughs> hypocrisy no matter how you cut no it. it's hilarious because i mean the the thing about it is he he just you get a little taste of that and like oh this is working you're just gonna keep pushing it i'll run a red light here I'll yeah do I this, that there and then just keep <laughs> that's going funny. Told the officer other stuff i would have only said yeah i did it this one time i promise yeah. i just thought it'd be funny i was goofing around uh just to cut in line but he started really being honest you and telling think him, you could have lied your way out of it you're just saying yeah, I think I would have said that. I would have tried to lie as much as possible, any any way possible, for sure. So, all right, that's my news. That's it for today. All right. Thank you. Live from Australia. News. We up in Toowoomba. All right, so we can end this episode as, as soon as, uh, you know, Toby and Joey can make up for their fight earlier. Joey, I'm sorry. I, I was clearly I, – I thought I was clearly joking. I think that you – didn't see that, so I'm sorry. Why are you laughing? I'm being honest right now. I'm being. You're very sorry, s- Joey. Didn't understand. You no, no, no. I'm saying <laughs> I, I don't. I'm sorry, you're a freaking. Sorry, you don't get it. No, Joey. that's not what I meant to you say. You don't get it. That's you not never what I meant will. to say. I'm super sorry. I'm, what I'm saying is, <laughs> I thought you realized I was joking, and I, you didn't. You thought I was being serious that you choked. <laughs> I don't I thought you realized I was joking.